Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Time now for the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. The left-handed shooting defenseman puts it in. Save made. Rebound. They score. Here's Sot around the D. Drives the goal. Center. They score. Robert Thomas. Release pressure, Butchnevich far wing, shot on, rebound, they score! Butchnevich, power play goal, 2-1, to one, Blues lead, and that'll do it. Bring out the Zamboni. Billy Huso has just backstopped the Blues to another come-from-behind win on home ice tonight. It's a 2-1 to one win over the Kraken. Good morning, everyone, and happy Friday. And your St. Louis Blues winners again. The 13th come from behind victory for the Blues this season. That leads the National Hockey League. It's 7.02 in 2 1. Woof. 702, your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers and officially licensed Rolex Jeweler for Carriker and Smallman. Good morning, Michelle. How are you doing? Randy, I'm smiling this morning. Another great victory for our St. Louis Blues. Another come from behind win. Another road, or excuse me, another home win. They've really established themselves at home again this season, continuing that home point streak. How can you not love this team? Especially when you think about the fact that, yes, they did have trouble with the Seattle Kraken, an expansion team, but they beat them and came back to beat them without Tarasenko, without Peron, without Perunovic, without Pareko, when you're missing a huge part of the core of your team and you're able to beat another National Hockey League team, it says a lot for what you're capable of. And sooner rather than later, the Blues are going to have their main guys back and they just keep piling up points. I have to believe that other teams in the Central Division are saying, what the hell's going on in St. Louis? They don't have their guys, but they just keep winning. Well, it kind of reminds us of 2019, where this team just continued to find ways to win games, and it's difficult to compare a team to a team that ended up winning a championship, but when the Blues were at their lowest point, and they started to turn things around and go on that streak, that's what they did, is they would find ways to win games, no matter the opponent and no matter the circumstances. And that's what we're seeing from this group as well it doesn't really matter who the opponent is it doesn't matter what obstacles are in their way it doesn't matter if the clock is running out they're finding ways to execute and get the job done and even though they're missing major components randy it helps when you have young stars who are ascending into their roles like robert thomas and jordan cairo and a guy like jordan cairo makes his first all-star game last night he's announced as the only blues representative in the all-star game and as you can imagine pretty fired up I mean, obviously, it's a huge honor. You know, I think there's there's a good amount of guys on our team, you know, who could have been selected. And, you know, we got a lot of guys playing Unreal right now. So, you know, it's just it's just a true honor. You know, it's a dream come true to be selected for that. So, He's 
certainly earned it, but it has to be really cool. And this is a guy that has a chance to be an all-star a lot of times. He's We've watched him blossom into an all-star in front of our very eyes. And I think for the rest of the country, the Winter Classic was a really good coming out party for Jordan Cairo for them to see just what a star he is as well. And I, I'm really thrilled for him that he got this honor. And he has to look around at his teammates. He's, he's a young guy. He knows he's playing well. But to think, wow, I'm doing this over someone like Vladimir Tarasenko, it's got to be a cool realization for him to recognize that he's among the best of his peers. And Michelle, remember leading up to the Winter Classic, we talked about what a big game that was going to be against Minnesota because they were leading the Central Division at the time, playing really well, and the Blues dominated them. Yes. On Monday night, the Nashville Predators, who lead the Blues by a point in the Central Division, will visit here in St. Louis on the night Chris Pronger's number gets retired. And another opportunity for a statement game for the Blues. Obviously, they have Toronto tomorrow night, so they have business to, to tend to before the Predators come to town. But I, I, I'll be really interested to see what the Blues having their guys back on a night that they retire Pronger's number, how the Blues respond to that game. Yeah, you always play hard. But you play a little extra hard or you have a little bit extra oomph and motivation when one of the all-time greats to wear your sweater is getting honored. And I know the Blues will have a fantastic presentation for prongs. I'm sure a lot of other Blues legends mm -hmm. will be in-house. And, you know, you, you always want to play just a little bit extra on games like that. So we'll be looking forward to that. Congratulations to the Blues. Nashville with 50 points. They played 38 games. The Blues have a game in hand. They have 49. Colorado has four games in hand on the Blues, and they only trail St. Louis by two points. In Minnesota, we mentioned them just a couple of weeks ago on New Year's Day. They were tied with the Blues. Here we are two weeks later, and the Blues have a five-point lead over the Wild. So things have gone the right direction for the Blues, not the right direction for Minnesota. Are you at this point yet? Because I have to tell myself to chill out because it's January 14th. When I watch this team, I'm having so much fun watching them, and they are overcoming so many obstacles and finding ways to win that I have to tell myself, pump the brakes. It's January 14th. Don't get too high, too low. But this team has moxie, Randy. It has an identity. It has that special something, that seasoning on top, and I'm getting excited. And because so many of the guys have done it before, I think it's reasonable to be really excited about what this team could do come postseason. They're a lot better than most people around the country thought they would be. We figured that with the added depth that they would be good. We didn't know that Vladdy was going to come back and perform the way he has. Mm -hmm. He has been better than I think most thought. Butchnevich has been way better than most thought. Jordan Cairo has been better than most thought. Saad has been better than most thought. So you have this incredible depth up front and... That's what you need to win a Stanley Cup. And you've been getting great goaltending from who yeah. was ever between the pipes. Right. And rarely have had your lineup, rarely have had your guys. Meanwhile, while things are so great for baseball, we look forward to uh, hockey in the spring because baseball might not be here. The baseball <sighs> owners and players met yesterday. MLB offered a revamping of its system in its offer and players by all reporting were not happy with it. And player skepticism is still at a very high level and michelle we are here at january 14th obviously this was supposed to be the weekend of the winter warm-up for the cardinals mm -hmm. that's been canceled we're a month away from when spring training starts normally it starts on valentine's day and it's hard for me to imagine that players and owners are going to be able to cover the ground they need to cover to get an agreement by february 14th to start spring training on time it blows my mind that this is allegedly a really gr a really smart group of successful people 
and that they had all of this time to be hammering this out. We've passed the, an actual deadline. We keep talking about, oh, well, they need an arbitrary deadline to speed this up. They passed an actual deadline on December 1st. They could have been talking about this and not had spring training be in peril at all. And I don't understand how a collective group of allegedly smart people can't understand that by fighting about money, they're going to cost themselves money if they miss spring training and or games. If money is the all-important thing that they're f- squabbling over, you would think that they would do everything possible to avoid missing any games and or spring training that's going to cost them money and here we are you're not going to find bigger cardinal fans than we are and our friends work at the cardinals we want the cardinals to succeed and this has nothing to do with the employees who are victims in this as much as the fans are but it almost seems like the people that are doing the negotiating have no realization that there are lives at stake here that there are careers at stake here that if you don't sell as many tickets and don't do as much business you're not going to have as many employees and you being bruce meyer the negotiator for the players or rob manfred the negotiator for the owners and they they don't care they they're they're hired guns bruce meyer is a contractor for the players association he couldn't care less about anybody involved in baseball and here this is a guy that's trying to well he's not trying to straighten things out he's trying to get his pound of flesh from the owners when he doesn't have any skin in the game it's criminal what they're doing because those guys are going to get paid regardless yeah and yeah and and by the way I'll, i'll i'll just point this out the players who hire bruce meyer and that's every member of the players association they don't care about fans i i love what Harrison Bader does going out and working at schools but in terms of baseball fans he doesn't care well and in this situation they're thinking about themselves and no one else exactly and I would like to think that people can read the room in any in any situation but clearly baseball cannot read the room but you would think especially they would be more in tune with the fans even though they're not normally after a pandemic where not only did both sides lose money but they realize that people are not consuming sports and or baseball, especially the same way that they used to, and that they're they're walking on fragile ice here. And not only are like is their product something that could be affected, but because of the pandemic, so many people that did work for them or did work at the stadiums that their livelihoods were affected. Spring training people that were affected from a financial standpoint. You talk about all of the people who have nothing to do with this that are going to be impacted. You would like to think that all of these multimillionaires and billionaires would at least have some concept that it's not just about them. Right. In this particular situation, the DeWitt family, and the Cardinal players, Paul Goldschmidt, Nolan Arenado, all of those guys, they care as much about you as the person standing at the assembly line for an Oreo cookie factory. That That's how much they care about you. Actually, the Not cookie people might care more because they want to craft a delicious treat for you to enjoy. That's true. At least, they're, at least they're building a product, right? Yeah, and a product that they know is going to make someone smile. Right. Good point. Yeah, so... Yeah. Uh, Let's fine. not disrespect the yeah. Oreo people. Yeah. They're doing good work. Yeah. Finally, Michelle, this is... Uh, Kind of a sad day. I will remember you. Oh. Will you remember me? Did a dog pass away? No. So our, our friend and producer and engineer, Andrew Marsh, is leaving for the fast lane. I this know. is his last day 
with Carriker and Smallman. So it's actually worse than a dog dying. It is. It's really bad. We're going to miss Andrew. He is awesome at his job. He's so fun to have in studio every day. And we're so jealous that the fast lane is stealing him. Guys, <laughs> it is a sad day. I've had a lot of fun being with you guys, and I did not expect uh, when I stepped into this role. I mean, I didn't expect being in this role to begin with. It kind of was just, it kind of just happened. Yeah. And I've had a, I've had a lot of fun doing this with you guys. So. But you won't um, miss that alarm, though, right? Oh my goodness! <laughs> well, and, hey, alarm in as in singular fashion. No, no, it was plural. <laughs> there were multiple alarms. Yeah, and, and we are uh, we're transparent here. We'll, we'll, we'll tell you that uh, Andrew is going to be getting up later. He had the choice. He's so yeah. good that he had the choice yeah. to pick the show, yeah. and he picked Anthony and BT and Jamie over us. I got to tell you, though, Randy, as someone who was a young producer who at one point did have a social life, I don't blame him. I don't blame <laughs> I him do. for picking those hours at all. <laughs> it's very difficult to be able to go out and do things and have fun when you have uh, an early morning wake-up call, let me tell you. So, great job, uh, Andrew. Thank you very much for your help, and we know that you'll do a great, great job with the fast lane. Well, I appreciate that, Randy. And thanks for the song, too. Yeah. I like that song. Yeah, bum me out. It makes me cry. It reminds me of a, uh, a, a crying, shivering dog commercial. Today is Andrew Marsh's last day on Character and Smallman. <laughs> if you would like to donate to this 25-year-old, Here's his Venmo handle. Yeah. <laughs> it will go towards many Bud Lights. We are off and running on Character and Smallman on Andrew's kids. last day with our show on 101 ESPN. Next up, get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. Peak and pit of the week next with Character and Smallman. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Up into the peaks or into the pit. Peaks and pits. Join in on the conversation with Carriker and Smallman now. Text 65780. This is 101 ESPN. Peak and pit. Get your text into the Air Comfort Service. Text line 65780. Before we get to that, Michelle was telling me about a friend that she has out in Southern California that was telling you some sad things. So I have this friend that lives out in Cali, and on her social media, she was, I don't know what shelter it was, but there was a dog shelter that had didn't have enough space for incoming dogs and so they were putting dogs on the parking lot and she she was sharing pictures from the shelter being like come adopt these dogs these dogs need homes and i was telling randy and andrew during the break that it just broke my heart i wanted to fly to la and get some of these dogs and bring them back to st louis and give them a good home it just seeing things like that makes me so sad and i can tell you this the bulletin apparently official those dogs were displaced by Stan Kroenke. <laughs> we're just going to blame Stan Kroenke yeah. for everything bad in the world, including L.A.? Well, yeah. Listen, I, I wouldn't put it past him. He he displaced elderly people from their homes. Why would he not displace dogs? I think that he kind of likes that. That's kind of... Uh, Displacing? Yeah, it, it's... Well... He does like... He has done that before. It is kind of part of his M.O. Yeah, so I'm not... I, I am certainly not going to say that... He didn't do it. I mean, this is a guy that in the past, I mean. Well, without getting into all the details of it, I mean, dealing with people with lower incomes wasn't something I particularly <laughs> look forward to, frankly. And in dealing with puppies. Well, 
I told everyone in the room today that I have not been able to understand the emotion since 2002. I mean, in his own words, Michelle. You know what's insane about that is whenever we play those, I always think to myself, oh, yeah, that's his voice because he never talked. I could recognize Craig Berube's voice, Doug Armstrong's voice, Tom Stillman's voice, Mr. DeWitt's voice, anyone within the Cardinals because they actually talk to the media and therefore their fans. This is someone that was in charge of a major organization in this city, and he never spoke. Right. Silent Stan. And so whenever you play that, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's his voice. And by the way, people in L.A. are aware of Puppygate here, and here's I oftentimes get stopped in Los Angeles and they'll go, are you that guy? You asshole, go back to St. Louis. I hate dogs. (laughs) (laughs) All right, time for uh, Peak and Pit of the Week. Uh, Michelle, this is going to be a weird peak for me. But I, I'm kind of looking forward to a little bit of snow this weekend. Oh, oh, I thought, I thought you... you were going to say me leaving, Randy. <laughs> oh, no. Uh-uh. I thought you were going to say Machine Gun Kelly and Megan Fox getting engaged. I know you were super hype about that. Did they really? Oh, yes. Wasn't Megan Fox with Brian Austin Green back in the day? <laughs> yes. What happened to them? They broke up, Randy. She's a twin flame with Machine Gun Kelly. They're like drinking each other's blood. I wonder if they comp uh, tattoos, you think? You think they, oh, I got this one back in 2014, and it means, and then he'll go, well, I got this one in 2011, and it means. Sounds like a fun way to pass the time. I don't know. Yeah, well, congratulations to those two wild kids. Yeah, I thought that that was going to be your peak. I know you were really pumped for that. Yeah, so, well, when they get married, that'll be my peak. Okay, okay. Brandy, you should have saw what he was wearing, too. He, It was like a mixture of... Like a Foot Locker uniform and, like, Beetlejuice. Yeah. Like, I... And you looked, need to look it up. And, Andrew, you've seen the video, I'm assuming. Doesn't it look like they did it at the ma- mansion where The Bachelor's filmed? It looked like an episode of The Bachelor. It was very bizarre. I, I saw a video where it, it's him proposing, but there's, like, no sound in it. Yeah, it no like sound. It's, like, very hmm. eerie. Yeah. I'm like, what is this? Wow. But you know what? Shout out to love. Yeah, big time. Uh, and then uh, my, my pit, and this is easy, is the absolute unmitigated stupidity of the negotiating people in Major League Baseball. Correct. That's And the people who are employing them. Yeah, that's part of my pit as well. Randy, my peak is watching the Blues play because as a sports fan, you go through severe highs and severe lows. But the best part about being a sports fan outside of winning a championship and the blackout happiness that comes with it is having that excitement and that hope that your team could win a championship. That's the drug and the feeling that we all chase is this team's special and they could get it done, which is why I think Cardinals fans for the past few years, even though the team has been good, it hasn't been enough. The high hasn't been enough because Mm -hmm. they don't really believe they could win a championship. And with this Blues team, Randy, I'm starting to get that itch. I'm starting to get that feeling and it's a good feeling. So that's my peak. Like that. And my pit is a selfish one, but I'm going to piggyback off what you just said about baseball. But I've waited my entire career to go to spring training. I've never, ever been given the green light to go to spring training. And people are probably like, who cares? It is very important for media to go to spring training because that's when all of the guys are available to you. That's when you can develop those relationships with players. That's when you can actually sit down and have really in-depth conversations with them because it's not you have five minutes and there's 12 other people asking questions at the same time. And Randy and I have never had the opportunity to go to spring training. It got greenlit this season. Mm -hmm. And, of course, these jerks can't figure it out. And our, our spring training trip is in danger. 
And I know there's a lot of people in St. Louis that love making the pilgrimage down to Jupiter. And their spring training trips are in jeopardy, too. And we could all use a little sunshine and baseball. And how dare they threaten that for us? How (laughs) dare they? (laughs) All right, your text 65780. Andrew, what you got? We have from... The 636. I got promoted to senior director of HR. All right. Congratulations. The pit. I'm now on call on weekends and no longer permitted to work from home. I hope that check, that bump in pay that you got promoted makes up for the fact that you're on call during the weekends. No doubt. All right. From the 636. NFL playoffs begin this weekend. The pit is knowing that there's only four weeks left of NFL football, though, especially with baseball. Yeah. Not knowing what's going on. We're a hockey city. That's right. LGB. Well, speaking oh, and of Thomas. Blues. And Thomas. That's right. Vote for Thomas for your uh, next man in the All-Star game. He deserves it. Speaking of the Blues from the 314, the peak of this Texas week is the Blues kicking butt this week. The pit is COVID disrupting his job and his wife's job. Uh, will it ever go away, Randy? I hope so, but I don't think so. I think we had our chance. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I'm i with you. I don't. You know, and, and kind of like Pete Carroll, instead of giving Marshawn the ball, we threw it. That's exactly. They're great comp. And yeah. COVID intercepted it. Yeah. You know, COVID is Malcolm Butler. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. From the 314 Peak, I received two gift cards to my favorite golf course for my birthday. Awesome. What a great gift. Yeah. Beautiful. And happy birthday, HBD, to you. Uh, Pitt, it's too dang cold to play since. Well, it was warm yesterday and the day before. It's supposed to snow. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, right? I think think you missed your window there. A couple inches or something like that. Awesome. It's not going to be fun. You know what, though? At least it's going to snow on a weekend where we're all inside watching sports. You know, mm-hmm. we've got football, we've got blues hockey. We've got some stuff to occupy us. We don't have to go out. It's not like it's snowing like that on a Monday mm-hmm. where you have to go to work. Let's try to be positive in 2022. Michelle, yeah. I'm totally distracted here. Well, I can tell. What's going on? It's Drake. It's Drake. Okay. Have you read about Drake? Uh, I mean, not recently. Okay, I can't say so, it's on my to-do list. Uh, the Drakester, as it turns out. Drakester. Yeah. Everybody loves a Drake. So uh, he uh, he met a young woman from Instagram. Oh, okay. Shout out. uh, That's where the kids meet each other these days. Took her to a hotel and they laid in a biblical sense. (laughs) He used protection. She goes into the bathroom because... Protect yourself, kids. Yeah, because she wants to utilize his seed so that she can... She, she can, what is happening right now? She so, siphon. She tried. Here's the thing. She goes and finds the protection in the trash can. Drake has put hot sauce in protection to kill the sperm so that she can't use it to impregnate herself. What? So this is it. Drake uses protection. And then so Double that protection? nobody can use his stuff against him. He kills it by pouring hot sauce into what he used for protection. So is he like Beyonce, hot hot sauce in his bag, swag? He just carries it around? Yes. Like a, like a mini bottle of Tabasco, just yeah. in case, and it's not for his eggs? Yep. Well, and I guess it's, you know, now, the other half, not I, the eggs. I don't know how this is going to work out, but the IG model is threatening to sue Drake for some reason. Why? Because he put Tabasco sauce on yeah. his own Yep. Yep. DNA? Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. I don't know what other words I can use here. Yeah. Well, Biblical she, sense. Yeah. But it's, you know, um, <laughs> maybe he, if he's that paranoid about people trying to uh, rummage through the trash. Maybe be a little bit more careful. Or maybe just be a little bit more selective about who you spend time with. You know? Because yeah, not a bad idea. If, if you know going into that situation that this particular IG model is so desperate to one day carry your child. That ma- desperate, yeah. Maybe don't, don't engage in the act. You're just kind of walking into a trap. But you wouldn't think it was a trap, but it is a trap. When it's Drake, it's always a trap. If he, if the Drakester, as you like to call him, mm-hmm. is Pat, if he's leaving the house and he's like, iPhone, wallet, Rolex, chain, Tabasco, he knows what he, he and knows. And protection. And protection. He knows the situation that he's walking into. If you have to knowingly pack the Tabasco, you know the type of entanglement you're about to get in. It's unbelievable. So anyway, that's why I was so distracted. Okay, well, that I didn't. So I guess a peak and a pit for Drake. <laughs> right, exactly. And one encounter, a peak and a pit. Yeah. It's a trap. <laughs> why is she suing him for that, though? Because doesn't seem like a case. She actually tried to use the protection to impregnate herself, and there was hot sauce in it <laughs> from inside. So, <laughs> so she, it burned a little. So she's going to sue him. <laughs> she burned her own private parts. And that now seems like her. Oh, that seems like a her yeah. problem. Can you imagine a judge? He wakes up. His life is hard. He has to pass down judgments all day, and he gets this in court. He's like, "Are you kidding me? This is what I have to deal with today, ma'am." I would throw her in jail just because. Yeah. I would say, not only did you do something stupid, now you're wasting my time with this lawsuit. You're in jail. Just think about yep. think about what you've done, yep. ma'am. Think about the state of your life. And Doris Burke, just stay away. Just stay away. The Drakester does love Doris. He, he does. He needs to choose wisely. Like the he needs the scooty booties of the world. Uh, question, very valid question from the three one four. Did he use Frank's? Because people put that bleep on everything. <laughs> <laughs> According to uh, the information I have, it was indeed Tabasco. It was Tabasco. Now, is this a good? branding opportunity for Tabasco. Oh, it sure is. <laughs> Maybe a Super well, Bowl commercial featuring Drake? Evidently, uh, <laughs> this is a very detailed story. <laughs> evidently, it's also a great branding opportunity for Magnum. <laughs> so, good for Drake, too. He's got this thing figured out. Is it good for Drake? Randy, is it good for you if you have to pack a baby-sized bottle of Tabasco because people are trying to impregnate themselves Evidently from something before. you throw in the trash? <laughs> it, it, it happened. It's unbelievable. You know, Drake, I listen to your tunes. I know you like to party. I know you're champagne poppy, but there's a guy in there that really wants love. You know, I've, I've listened to Marvin's Room. I know that deep down you want the real deal. Get off IG, man. Get off IG. Yeah. You're not going to, you know, take it from your friend Rihanna. You're not going to find love in a hopeless place, all right? <laughs> Put, leave the Tabasco at home and find someone who loves you for you. Unreal. You know, not for your fame. Thanks, Andrew. You're welcome. And thanks for your text to the Air Comfort Service text line. Oh Coming up, we're going to talk some golf with Jay Delsing on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.
Let's head to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. You will hear Golf with Jay Delsing Sunday morning at 9 here on 101 ESPN. But it's always good to have Jay with us on Friday mornings to get ready for the golf weekend. Jay, good morning. How are you doing? I'm doing great, guys. Good morning. How are you? And Tabasco sauce, I don't know where these stories come from, but <laughs> could you imagine packing and you're like doing your checklist? You got my socks, my belt, my Tabasco. <laughs> <laughs> It's unbelievable. It is. But also, while unbelievable, brilliant. Is it? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know, man. It's a, it's all a, it's a lot of everything there, guys. It's a lot of everything. It's crazy is what it is. Well, Jay, I am so excited uh, to talk to you. We, I always am on a Friday. But after I found out that the golf version of Netflix Formula One hit Drive to Survive was going to be happening and we saw the list of really popular golfers that was going to be involved, I wanted to talk to you about this. What do you think that this show could do for the game of golf and its popularity? You know, Michelle, it's so intriguing, isn't it? Because I just don't know how uh, close the guys are going to let this docuseries get but i mean they've got some some of the top names in golf and it's going to be interesting as hell i i did not even i read stuff you know i'm a golf nerd i'd read stuff every single day and from i don't know eight or ten different publications i didn't even come across this so i don't know how i miss it but i'm excited to see what what uh what comes of it and I'm kind of bummed out that Bryson DeChambeau is not involved, but he said that he wants to take advantage of his YouTube channel. He said, my fans are getting a pretty good look inside my life from YouTube, and to have more people, i.e. Netflix, come in and go even further, which is almost impossible for what I'm giving out, is just too invasive for me. So he and several other golfers, including Tiger Woods and John Rahm and uh, Roy McElroy, are not going to participate, but the people that they do have are going to make for a compelling show yeah they, no they they absolutely are it I, i'm actually fascinated to see just the travel part you guys because all these guys are traveling privately now and what a what an ease that is compared to hauling your luggage yourself you know and all the way up to the uh um from the car to the to the counter and hoping that it comes and you know it's it's uh it's going to be interesting i i uh i i'm i'm surprised that they Used typically the golfers are a little more closed up about the that that side of it. I'm I'm surprised those guys agreed to it. I think it should be great. And Jay, one of the cool things about this too is that all of the majors are on board with this as well. And I don't know if you watched the Formula One Netflix show, but one of the cool parts about it was getting to see all of the different tracks and different venues and different cities that these guys are racing in. And I have to imagine one of the peaks of this show is going to be getting that behind the scenes access documentary style, watching these guys get ready to play at Augusta National. Michelle, you're a hundred percent right. And what's interesting, and we've said this before, is that what makes Augusta so intriguing, first of all, it's the, the most exclusive golf club in the world which some people like, so what? It's just a golf club. But it is, there's so many, so so much secretive things there that people, the average guy doesn't even get a glimpse of. So it's really going to be interesting to see how much Augusta lets them in. I can't imagine it's going to be too much, but it's going to be more than anyone's ever seen before anyway. So it it's going to be, it's going to be interesting. You're also going to get the hopefully see some of the quirkiness of a professional golfer. You know, we get some guys that are, you know, sorting their socks and doing all sorts of different things like that. I've seen it all. It's pretty weird. Hey, Jay, I, I want to ask you about the dynamic with the players and the media on the 
PGA Tour because I, I'm seeing the reaction to the the passing of Tim Rosefort from Golf Channel, and so many players are offering condolences on social media and talking about the guy. A lot of times with sports and the media, that's not the sort of relationship there is. If an older broadcaster passes away, players generally they just go on with their lives. So what's the dynamic with golfers in the media? You know, Randy, Tim Rosefort was one of the one of the nicest people that I've ever met. He was also one of the most professional and and did his job at such a high level. So he he was able to blend this high level of integrity where you knew he wasn't going to take some sort of cheap shot at you, but he also had a way of asking a a really difficult question in a respectful way. And I, I uh I first met him, gosh, probably 25 years ago, and his demeanor, everything was just, he was such a gentleman about the way he went about it. And and um, so he really earned all of the, the players' respect. And what happens is when you, when you know, when, when, uh, when you're playing for a professional team and the, maybe you're having a decent year but the team is struggling or whatever, you know, things can be said – um, and, and it's easy to, to deflect it from a non-personal standpoint as a player, but not in golf. Everything that happens is something that you had a hand in, whether it's good or bad. And, and um, so these guys, at least in the old days, these guys definitely would read their, you know, what was written about them. And Tim had a way of, I mean, if he was going to hit you, it was almost like he had a velvet hammer. You know, it wasn't going to hurt that much. He was saying something that was true, and he did it with such respect that um, it was phenomenal. And for the most part, you guys, for the most part, um, the the press and the media in golf get along extremely well. These guys are out doing the same thing all the time, and um, the, the players have a, um, a really good rapport with them for the most part. There's a few that don't, but... For the most part, it's really, really good. Hey, Jay, we talked last week about playing in uh, the the first tournament of the year, the, the Century Tournament of Champions, and the tour remains in Hawaii. Do you think that if you have a pretty good couple of months, maybe you tweak your game a little bit, can you set the tone for an entire season by playing well this early in the year? Oh, my gosh, Randy, 100%. When you're a young player, you're trying to figure out the PGA Tour. You're trying to figure out, can I come? How can I compete out here? How can I stay at a high level with, with these these players? I don't know the golf courses. And if you can get off to a, a start, so most young players won't get to play in the uh, the Tournament of Champions because that's only reserved for players that have won a tournament the year prior. But going over to Wileye, Wileye is um, a, a kind of a fun golf course to play. It's pretty straightforward. It's relatively short. You do get days where the wind doesn't blow, and when the wind doesn't blow, the scores are so low, guys. And so it's one of those – it's it's not a high-stress place. First of all, it's Hawaii, so it's pretty laid back. Second of all, the greens are really good and smooth and flat. And so you're not going to get these extreme conditions that you can uh, at other tour events. And, like, you can go down to Torrey Pines and get all sorts of crazy weather. Pebble Beach the same way. Hawaii, typically not. You'll get some – you might get some strong winds. But every once in a while, you get a day like they got um, yesterday where the wind didn't blow that that hard and people go low. So it absolutely sets the tone. It, it gives you a sense of comfort and, and, and 
an, an idea of what, of what you can expect. And, you know, when you go there, you better be, you better be making birdies because there's birdies everywhere. Hey Jay, one other quick question for me about the golf calendar, the Phoenix open, the, the waste management Phoenix open always ends on the, on Super Bowl Sunday. So this year they moved the Super Bowl back a couple of weeks and the Phoenix open moves back a, a couple of weeks. Why is that? They just love the party. They just are, those guys are looking for anything, Randy, to try to uh, increase the, the number of people that show up. It's amazing. You'd think that it would decrease it. The only time mm-hmm. I've ever seen it move off of the Super Bowl, bud, was when they had the Super Bowl in Phoenix. And so they moved the tournament. I think they moved the tournament up one day. So the Phoenix Open ended on a Saturday, and then everybody went to the Super Bowl <laughs> because it was in town on Sunday. That, that place is, is so much fun. Oh, my gosh, it is. Just the 16th hole alone. I forget the last last year the number of people. I think there were two hundred thousand or two hundred fifty thousand people on the sixteenth hole alone. Something like that. The capacity for that. It's it's a, it's amazing. It is it is it is a party. And then oh yeah, there's a golf tournament there. Well, another place Jay that is so much fun is your wine bar in town and country. I got a chance to go there and hang out last weekend. It's a great place. They have great wine options, great food. Try the flatbread. But tell people what's going on at Wild Crush. We want to encourage them to come check it out. Oh, Michelle, we appreciate you coming in. Yeah, tonight we have live music. We have a lady named Lisa Jones that's playing there tonight. She's uh, She's got a great vibe. She's a really cool lady, so she starts playing from, at 6 to 9. We just have a real welcoming place where we want to treat you with kindness, pour you a really, really good glass of wine, and have you hang out, listen to music. We had the Blues game on last night when Bucznevich um, scored the uh, the power play goal to put him up 2-1. to one. There was a nice little mini roar, even on a Thursday, so... Um, yeah, we have um, uh, we have uh, drink specials. We're we're going to do some wine tastings. Um, if you check out wildcrushstl.com, all of our stuff's on on uh, our website. But gosh, thanks for the, uh, the shameless plug. And Jay, who do you have on the show on Sunday? Sunday we've got um, Steve Stricker and Paul Azinger, two uh, Ryder Cup victorious Ryder Cup captains, and. Um, yeah, this is uh, really a lot of fun stuff. Two of the most opposite characters. Paul's all about adrenaline, and Steve Stricker's one of the most laid-back Midwesterners you'll ever meet. Awesome. We'll be tuned in. Thank you, sir. Have a great weekend. Thanks for having me on, guys. That's Jay Delsing joining us on a Friday morning on 101 ESPN. Coming up, get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. We've got Take It or Leave It next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Take it or leave it. Give us your feedback now by texting 65780. It's Take It or Leave It with Character and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Powered by Gloria Lou Realty. Visit GloriaHasTheBuyers.com and start packing. Take it or leave it on 101 ESPN. Get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. Michelle, this weekend, the Cowboys and 49ers will play in a playoff game. 40 years ago this week, the two teams played in a playoff game, and this happened. Don Landry is six yards away from his sixth Super Bowl. And, of course, for the upstart 49ers, they're six yards away from Pontiac. Third and three.
And that, of course, started the 49er dynasty, and that play became known as the catch. Mm -hmm. We've got the helmet catch. We've got the tackle. Take it or leave it. Football has used up all their iconic plays. We won't have any other iconic named plays anymore. Oh, I'm going to leave that for sure. Okay. Because something will happen, whether it's the in Aaron Rodgers play or, I mean, think about the Hail Mary, Mm -hmm. the catch. I mean, there's always going to be something that happens that we're going to dub this is X play. Philly special. The Philly special. That's right. There's always going to be some sort of, we haven't run out of words. We're going to figure it out. You know, what's interesting is that in all of the Patriots wins and especially the comeback win, even that is known as the comeback or the, the overtime win. I'm interested to see when that iconic play happens and what the name of it is. Well, think about Mike Jones, the tackle. Right. Right. I mean, well, the moment has to happen, right? You have to, sometimes, you know, when a baby is born, you can have all these names and then the baby pops mm-hmm. out. You're like, that's not a Jeff. This is a Steve. This is a Nolan. Yeah, exactly. This is a Nolan. Yeah. So we just have to have the play be born and then the name will come. I think we've used them all up. <laughs> I'm leaving it. Isn't it funny though? Like all you do is say the word the, and then you name something that happens. Like maybe there'll be the chop block or like, or gate. Like, it's something that's like, oh, gate, like spy gate, gate, deflate gate, (laughs) tie gate, something gate. Like, I think we need to be a little bit more original here. Yeah, we do need to be a little bit more creative. You're right. Well, guys, I want to ask you also about the Cowboys and 49ers. Jerry Jones making no bones about the expectations that he has for this Cowboys team. He said, unquestionably, it's Super Bowl or bust. Take it or leave it. It's bust. I'm going to take that. They aren't winning the NFC. They aren't winning the Super Bowl. So, yes, it's bust. I don't even think they win this weekend. No, I don't either. I'm I'm with you there. But Jerry Jones has been waiting for this moment for a while, assembling a lot of talent, paid paid the quarterback. I understand why he thinks it's Super Bowl or bust. Mm -hmm. I do not look at this Cowboys team and think they're capable of winning a Super Bowl. Take it or leave it. It's a race between Dak Prescott and the Grim Reaper for Jerry Jones, and the Grim Reaper wins. Are we? What? So you're saying that he dies before, before he wins the Super Bowl. How old is he? I, think I don't he's even want to get this life, but sure you do. Jerry Jones is 79. Yes, he's 79. He was born October 13th, 1942. Go Grim. <laughs> you know, I just don't think they're going to win a Super Bowl. So not under him. Sorry, sorry, Jer. All right, uh, your text six five seven eight zero. Uh, Andrew, what do you got? Well, speaking of the NFL, you guys think that the Cowboys won't win, but from the 314, take it or leave it, there will be two NFL teams getting upset this weekend. Ooh. Oh, I'll take that. Just higher seeds, I'll take. Yeah, let me take a look at that quickly because I, I think, oh, sorry, I have it right here. Okay, yeah. I um, think Dallas gets upset, and I think the Rams. Go Cardinals. Is there a certain spread that a game has to have in order for it to be a true upset? I don't think so. No. Just a higher seed probably, yeah, right? Yeah, right. And the the favorite, the Vegas favorite, if the Vegas favorite loses, then that's an upset. Okay. I didn't know if it had to be like at least like plus six and a half or no. like up to 10 or something like that. I'm just wondering. I think Buffalo's in a little bit of a precarious spot too. Weather, Belichick. Patriots already had their number earlier in the season. Weather's not going to be a problem for Buffalo. It was the last time the Patriots and the Bills met. Well, that was actually last time the Patriots and Bills met. The It was cold and the Bills clobbered them. 
Oh, uh, well, I'm talking about the one prior. Yeah, that that was 50 mile an hour winds. This is temperature. Still? <laughs> All right, from the 636, take it or leave it. People are wondering who so will do to Bennington what Bennington did to Allen. I'll leave that. Yeah, I'm going to leave that too. Jake didn't have the contract. Or the cup. Right. (laughs) He is playing very good hockey though. And it it makes you confident moving forward that you do have that two goalie tandem like they did in 2019. Now we have three. That is true. Chucky Sideburns. Yep. Shout out. From the 573, take it or leave it. Big Ben's clock strikes midnight midnight Sunday. I'm going to take that. But I think they might cover. But, yeah, they aren't going to. Yeah. I can't see them winning the game. I think it'll be closer than, than most people expect. Um, because the, Big Ben, you heard him this week. We played the sound on our show. Says yeah. they're better than us. We've literally got nothing to lose. We should not win this game. Right. And I think a team that goes in with that attitude is a dangerous team. Yeah. Chiefs they, are a 12 and a half point favorite. And those guys, knowing what Ben has meant to that organization in that city, that this could potentially be his last game, they're emptying the tanks. They're going to give it everything they have. One of the things about this game that's interesting is that it looks like Clyde Edwards-Alaire is not going to be able to go. Damian Williams probably not going to be able to go. So the running game for Kansas City will be compromised. And if there's one guy in this league that can cover Travis Kelsey, it's Minka Fitzpatrick. So I think it's going to be, and Tyreek Hill, by the way, didn't participate or was limited yesterday as well. So the weapons that Patrick Mahomes ordinarily has at his disposal are either not going to be there or not going to be 100%. Thank you, Andrew. You're welcome. And coming up next on 101 ESPN, are we taking some really good teams and players for granted as sports fans? That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. A fresh perspective on the day's biggest stories. It's Character and Smallman's Fresh Take. Brought to you by the Schnooks Rewards app. Check out Good For You, a free wellness program available in the app today. in St. Louis, your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Yesterday, Michelle and Andrew and I were talking about the different approaches that fan bases are taking this weekend in the NFL playoffs. Bengals fans are thrilled to be in the playoffs, and even if they lose to the Raiders tomorrow, the Bengals are going to have a future, and their fans are going to say, you know what, this was step one in a journey, and next year we're going to be even better, and we're going to go even farther. On the other side of the coin, you have Chiefs fans. They've won their division six years in a row. They've been in the Super Bowl the last two years. If the Chiefs don't win the Super Bowl, this is just the nature of fans. There are going to be a lot of fans that look at this season as a failure. Even if they go to the Super Bowl and lose it, the journey is out the window. And unless we win the Super Bowl, this can't be a successful season. It's interesting to look at the approaches. And it's sad for me to recognize that there are a lot of fan bases out there that can't appreciate what they have. We're standing right in the middle of one here in St. Louis, Missouri. I I think that nowhere can relate to that sentiment more than St. Louis because of Cardinals fans. It's like their success is also the thing that comes back to bite them because look at all the amazing postseason runs and 
impressive and winning seasons the Cardinals have mm-hmm. put together since they won the World Series in 2011. And people here act like the team is a complete failure. Yeah. And just look at the, this past season. You have a 17-game winning streak, and people couldn't enjoy it because— That was so fun. <laughs> yeah, it, it was great. And that's part of the journey of a six-month season. And I guess there's a lot of people that are casual fans that don't even pay attention until the postseason starts. And that's how they judge a franchise is whether or not it succeeds in the postseason. But I have to believe that when— the Braves won 14 consecutive division titles, but only won one World Series, and I believe they were one in four in World Series play. There were probably a lot of fans who looked at that as a failure rather than an incredible success. Well, think about how many people after the Cardinals went on that historic win streak and made the playoffs would say, well, they didn't win the division. Right. This This is a team that was supposed to win the division, supposed to contend for a World Series. It's a failure. However... I kind of under I understand both sides of the coin here because you do want to appreciate the journey and you not every team is going to win so you do want to appreciate the success that a team has but if a team is supposed to win a World Series or a Super Bowl or they're supposed to contend if that's where the expectations are based on the personnel and based on what the team's own personal expectations are how do you expect the fan base to accept anything less than that? I think they have to be realistic. But if that's the the, bill of goods that you're selling, you're setting setting their expectations is what I'm saying. You have 32 teams in football. Only one is going to win the Super Bowl. And I think you have to be realistic for people that say, oh, what what a waste of Aaron Rodgers' career that he only won one Super Bowl. So does that mean that Drew Brees wasted his career? And does that mean that... you're, you're getting a wasted career because so far you don't have anything out of Josh Allen. Uh, did We talked about Dan Marino and Jim Kelly the other day. Were those wasted careers because they don't have Super Bowl wins attached to them? I, I look at those careers as a lot of fun and very successful. But I'll use Dan Marino as an example. Hall of Famer, mm-hmm. one of the best to ever do it. An incredible career. But it does feel unfulfilled. There, there is a feel. Anytime you talk about Dan Marino, it's he. There, it comes unfulfilled. With a, but is it a disappointment? It's a little because I, whenever you talk about Dan Marino's career, it's with the caveat: it's a shame he never won a Super Bowl. That's part of his legacy. One of the greatest to ever do it, who never won a Super Bowl. See, I look at the guy as throwing 48 touchdown passes in a season and throwing 427 touchdown passes and the Marx brothers and all the winning and all the playoffs and doing it without a defense and without a running game. I think his career was incredible. Well, let's look at Clayton Kershaw before the Dodgers won the World Series. Clayton Kershaw was one of the best pitchers we have ever seen, and he would always have that stigma of he never got it done in the postseason. He could never win a World Series. This is just how we're programmed. We are See, but, uh, here's programmed what, to think championships are busts. See, and that's a shame because Clayton Kershaw, until the last three years, we could have made an argument that Clayton Kershaw was the best starting pitcher in the history of the game. And we are going to look at that. We're, uh, we're, we're going to set aside the best statistically career of a starting pitcher in the history of the game because of what happened in three starts each year in October? I would ask those players too, though. If, like for Dan Marino, if you talk to him, do you feel like your career as amazing and historic as it was in a lot of senses, broke a lot of records, do you feel like it's complete because you never got the championship? He says that he doesn't 
need a Super Bowl to have his career be validated? Well, it doesn't have to be validated, but does he feel like it's complete? Because when you put your blood, sweat, and tears and literally your entire career and life into one ultimate goal that you never achieve... I could understand why that would be something that haunts you or that why you would feel like it's a disappointment. Of course, once you retire, you come to terms with it, but that's got to be something that eats at him all the time. I think about how many careers were stalled and Super Bowls weren't won because of the Patriots and because of their, their dynasty and run of success. I bet there's a lot of people that feel like my career is incomplete because I never won a championship. Well, and, Damn the Patriots. And, and that's why... If you're Peyton Manning, you can't feel bad about your career because of the era in which you played. Peyton Manning, if it's not for the Patriots, he might win three or four. And there were a lot of things that went into his team not beating the Patriots. It wasn't just football ability. And I don't think he can look at that. I don't think, and this got started, by the way, because Tim McKernan and I were talking yesterday as we left the show about how 20 years ago, the Rams had just finished a 14-2 and season. And they're headed towards the Super Bowl. They take care of Green Bay. They intercept Brett Favre six times in a division playoff game. And then Marshall just runs over the Eagles in the second half. And they go to the Super Bowl with a 14-2 and team. And we don't talk about it. Mm -hmm. It's almost like that season didn't even happen. When the, A couple of years ago, when we had the anniversary of the Super Bowl championship, we talked about it. But it's almost like we don't recognize the fact that our team was one of the great teams in the history of the sport. They happened to lose the last game, but that team was electrifying. And nobody, even in St. Louis, where it happened, nobody talks about it. But what did Shakespeare say? Expectation is the root of all heartache. Like, look at the Steelers this season. They should not be in the playoffs. This is a team that a lot of people did not think would be in the playoffs. So their fans, regardless of what happens this weekend, is going to look at this season as a successful one because the expectation was not for them to win the Super Bowl. That Rams team you're talking about, the expectation mm -hmm. was for them to be the greatest show on turf and to win. Therefore, we treat it as a throwaway because it didn't meet our expectations. The Bengals, this is a really good team, but this is... Uh, a team that's led by a, a young quarterback coming off an ACL tier, technically his first full season, whatever they do in the playoffs, it's a success because you didn't enter the season thinking they should win the Super Bowl. And maybe that's why sports is diminishing in popularity because right now, for example, there are 15, 16, 17-year-old kids in St. Louis who haven't been able to enjoy anything yet because they haven't won a championship and that's the way they're programmed mm -hmm. so it, i grew up when we weren't winning anything when i grew up in the 70s the football cardinals went to the playoffs a couple of times and the the baseball cardinals never went to the playoffs in the 70s so i grew up enjoying the sport and what happened between the white lines and mm -hmm. trying to appreciate a journey but if you're programmed that okay your team you, you can only enjoy it if they win a championship. Then it's impossible to enjoy the sport. Well, think about the programming we have, right? Herm Edwards, you play to win the game. Mm -hmm. We don't say you play to enjoy the journey and have a good time and appreciate athleticism. You play to win the game, but you don't play always to win the championship because if you're realistic, only one team can win the championship. That's true. But there's a handful of teams on any given year that their expectation is to win. Some teams... When the Rams were here, there was many years that we were pumped if we won a game. And if you, if the Rams won five games, we would consider the season a success mm -hmm. because our expectation was not that they were supposed to be better. Right. And I was able to enjoy those. And that's the sad thing for me is that, that was... kids are not able to. I'm able to enjoy 
five wins. If I, everything well, was, was a blessing. We were after fifteen yeah. and sixty-five. Yeah. You learned to but, appreciate a modicum of success. I, I just I, I feel bad for people that can't get it in their heads to enjoy the process. They they want the event. They want Super Bowl Sunday, and they want that win on Super Bowl Sunday, or they want that win in the World Series, or they want that win in the Stanley Cup, and they can't enjoy it unless they get that. Okay, well, we're talking to Gary Pinkle at 845. Mm-hmm. Hall of Fame coach. Yep. The Gary Pinkle career does not exist anymore. If a coach is hired and they don't have immediate success right away, they're fired. We're, we're going to talk about in your Killing Me Smalls, David Culley getting fired after one season. Most coaches are only given two to three years, and what is the reasoning why they're fired? You didn't win a championship. You didn't get this program to where it needs to be. These organizations are telling us they're programming the fans that winning is all that matters. You know Championships are all that matters. You know what they're telling me? Is that they're stupid. <laughs> Of course, but if you're a fan and this is what you're seeing this turnover all the time with the reason being they didn't win a championship in two to three years, that's what you come to expect. There were a lot of people here that wanted Tony LaRusso fired because he's he managed here in 96, 97, 98, 99, 2000, 2001, 2002, 2003 and didn't go to World Series until 2004 and then didn't win a World Series until his 11th year, 2006. But he had a smart organization that got it. Mizzou was a smart organization mm-hmm. that got it. You have to understand that only one team wins. And, and I appreciate an, or, an organization that gets that. And the Houston Texans, I mean, that, yeah. that might be the dumbest organization in sports. But what organization can you look at right now that has hired a coach who hasn't had a lot of success and you think, okay, they're going to stick with this guy. They're going to really give him the runway to build something. I don't. I can't think of one off the top of my head. I no. mean, look at the yeah. Joe Judges of the world. Look at, yeah. I mean, Urban Meyer is an outlier situation. He did that to himself. But from the, from the day Urban started that job, we were saying, oh, he, he's not winning games. Is is he right for the job? This is someone who had an incredible amount of success in the sport of football. Granted, it was obviously in the college ranks. But even someone with a proven track record of winning, we didn't yeah. give enough time to I, build something. I and would say, again, he's an outlier. Yeah. But. Tom Stillman with Doug Armstrong. Yes. So that was one where... I think there was an understanding that the team was really good and that they were playing against really good teams and couldn't, they're, they're, for whatever reason, they didn't get over the hump. Right, but that the team was really good. I mean a, an organization that's coming in and hiring someone new and asking them to turn it around and build it in, yeah. into a contender. You, you have to understand that it's a rebuild, and that's why when you're when you're the Houston Astros, you got to stick with a guy like A.J. Hinch and try to get over the hump that way. Mm-hmm. But there, there aren't a lot of owners that are smart enough to recognize that it is a process rather than an event. And they should. Yeah. That's Michelle. I'm Randy, and that's today's Fresh Take on 101 ESPN. Coming up, Joe Vitale joins us. We're going to talk some blues hockey on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. We're talking blues hockey. It's the Joey Vitale Report on 101 ESPN. Brought to you by The Electrical Connection. When you need quality electrical work for your home or business, visit electricalconnection.org. Michelle and Randy, and we head to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. Blues analyst here on 101 ESPN, Joe Vitale, joining us as he does every Friday morning. Good morning, sir. How are you doing? Randy, doing awesome, man. Doing awesome. Happy Friday. How are you? Good. Do you like snow? 
I, well, I, be, I better I better get used to it. I know it's coming here in St. Louis. I, you know, I'm a big fan of it. Um, you know, snow to me, uh, it, it's got to come and it's got to go pretty quickly, though. Got, I, I, I hate I hate snow when it lingers. Like, when I was up in Winnipeg a couple of years ago, and um, I was up there walking around. There was snow on the, on the sidewalks, and I stopped into a Tim Hortons day. I said, hey, how you doing, fella? And he's like, uh, hey, good, hey. And I said, uh, wow, you guys get some snow? He's like, oh, no, sir, no, sir, eh? That came about uh, three or four weeks ago, eh? And I was like, three or four weeks ago? Why is it still snow on the sidewalk? He's like, oh, we just stopped, we stopped shoveling today because it's just so cold and just keeps it coming, eh? And so we had, uh, had my Tim bits and we had a coffee and we kind of talked about it. I don't know how those people live up there. It, it snows and it doesn't go anywhere for like weeks. So hopefully it'll, it'll, the snow was coming this weekend will go quick, quickly. What is your coffee order? Black, buddy. Black like the Cowboys. Whenever I get a coffee, I always drink it black like the Cowboys. And Randy, I always imagine myself on a good old Western or, or, or cattle drive <laughs> with Billy Crystal. I'm sitting there after a long day of, 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 of riding some cattle from North Dakota down to Texas. I imagine kicking up my, my, my boots. I put my, my cowboy hat down over my eyes after a great, a great evening of riding. And I just imagine the kettle over the fireplace pouring into a nice tin cup and drinking it straight black like the Cowboys. It's funny. My, my son, we were at Dunkin' Donuts the other day, and he actually got a hot chocolate and a couple of coffees, and, and uh, I sent him to go order. I, I got to take a phone call, and I was kind of in the background listening. And he goes, oh, Miss, you know, can I get a hot chocolate and, and, and two coffees? He goes, how would you like your coffee, sweetheart? And he goes, you know, I like the Cowboys like it. It's nice and black. And, and she started laughing. So <laughs> I'm teaching my kids right. <laughs> I love it. Good parenting, Joe. Uh, that's very Yellowstone of you. Well, these blues, yeah. <laughs> they kind of have a little cowboy in them, Joe. They're gritty. It doesn't matter what happens. They get the job done. Another home win last night. Another come from behind win. And another win when they're missing a lot of key players. I don't want to get too hyped up, but this team, they seem to have that, that extra special something, don't they? They really do. And, you know, we asked Robert Thomas after the game last night, I go, hey, sum up this team, especially recently. How is this group still finding ways to win? I mean, especially these last two games. Look, the Dallas Stars a couple games ago, uh, they looked kind of lifeless at times. Power play wasn't there. 5-on-5 five five was a little bit sloppy. But they ended up winning that game late. And in kind of the same way last night, although they, I thought they were better last night, but you could see something building. And by the third period, there was just no doubt. You felt something was in the air. And I asked him, Robert Thomas on the bench, put, put this in, into one word. What's one word to describe this team when you're late in these games and you guys just look like you guys got this under control? And he said it's just a relentless group. Uh, they, they are just truly relentless. They never give up. They're never scared. They're never nervous. And they never feel like they're going to lose a game. And, you know, and I guess to keep with this uh, Yellowstone Cowboy theme, you know, they remind you a lot of the Coyote. Randy, Michelle, I don't know if you know much about Coyotes. Coyotes are a relentless bunch. Okay, this is true. You can, you can do research about this. You know, hundreds of years ago, there was a big coyote problem in the Midwest, and the government thought, okay, let's go there, let's kind of let's, let's shoot them, let's trap them, let's get rid of them because they're everywhere. Now, what they found is, and this is much like the blues, I'll, I'll tie this all in, in a second. What they found was, as the more coyotes they killed, the more that multiplied. And they couldn't figure out why. Now, scientists really broke this down years later, they tried and they figured it out, and they actually nailed it. So at nighttime, I lived in Arizona for four years, you hear coyotes yipping and yapping all night long. When they're howling, they're not only they're not only you know telling the females where they're at. They're not only you know basically marking their territory. It's actually a reproductive call, believe it or not. So when a when a coyote howls, other coyotes will howl, and based off of how many coyotes they hear, that's their roll call. That that says to them how many are still alive at the end of each night. Now where it really gets interesting is if there's not a lot of howls in the air their actual reproductive cycle changes. That's why coyotes, you cannot get rid of them. Because instead of maybe a female having seven pups, then that cycle, 
she may have 12 pups if there weren't as many howls and hoots and yips at that night. They actually tell themselves you need to make more babies. This is crazy. You need to make more babies based off of the communication we've heard over the last X amount of months. So that's why they're very hard to get rid of. Now I'm going to tie back in the blues. You can't get rid of these guys. You, you really cannot get rid of this team. It, it, they're up against the ropes, and you think they're down and out, and they, they find themselves a way to kind of stick with it. Uh, they're a relentless bunch, much like the old Coyotes. Are you surprised that the Arizona Coyotes have never never been able able to develop that sort of a personality? <laughs> no, no, absolutely not. It, <laughs> no. You know, Randy, Michelle, you guys go into buildings. You guys have been in the best ballparks in the world. You've been in the best rinks in the world, right? You, you, and I can say this because I've played for them. When you walk into Gila River Arena there in, in Scottsdale, and I guess now in Glendale, you smell losses on the wall. You don't try to say, like, yes. You go, you go into Wrigley and you just, you, you, at times, or whether it be Fenway or even Bush Stadium, Bush Stadium is a perfect example. You walk into Bush Stadium and you just smell victory. It's like, it's in the walls, it's in the dirt, it's in like the, the seats. Like, you go into TD Bank you know, Garden there in Boston. I remember when the, when the Cup Run was there. You smelled like this this wonderful history of winning. And to me, I think that that culture, it, it infests itself into the building. It infests itself into the people giving out popcorn. It infests itself into the, the security guards. It's everywhere. It's in, it's in the culture. I mean, you walk in the arena in Arizona, and you smell losses. You smell a losing culture. And what's even cooler about it now is you flip it to the St. Louis Blues, and we talked a lot about culture in the, in the post game last night and how this team, team just does not go away. This building, since that 19 run, to me, it, it, it smells victorious. Like, you walk in there, the energy of the people, the energy of the fans, the energy of the coach, everything about it is really this culture that they have really started to create. And that's why when James Neal and Nathan Walker and these players, this next man up mentality, how do they keep winning with the next man up mentality? Other teams got the next man, uh, man, man up mentality, and they're not winning. What's the difference? Because here, the next man mentality, like the Boston Bruins or like the Washington Capitals, Players step in, and they want to be a part of this culture. In other places, like Arizona, for example, if you have a player step up, you don't know what that culture is. So players are just out there doing the best they can. But like a James Neal comes in last night. I thought he had a terrific game. Clint Costin moving his body very well. He had a great game as well. You step in to this culture because why? you want to be a part of it. It's much, you realize it's much bigger than yourself. And that's what St. Louis has really started to create here. And Joe, in addition to what you're saying about how you can smell wins or smell losses in an arena, it's amazing that the Blues were able to handle business at home. They've really made Enterprise Center a tough place for other teams to play with another home victory continuing that streak. Well, they got away from it a little while. There was a little bit of an era where St. Louis was a bit of an easier place to play. I would kind of call it that the end of the Mike, Mike Yo era, where right when I came into the booth, it was a bit, uh, it was a bit softer. This was after the David Backus, Barrett Jackman era, I would call it. When I was playing against the Blues, I remember Sidney Crosby would. This was the area, that the rink, the arena, and the team. He hated playing. I remember coming on the plane, and we were talking about coming back to St. Louis. We joking around, coming to my parents' house. And he's like, yeah, I just, I, I just hate playing this team. And I always ask him why. He's like, you know what? Because every face-off back is just going to whack you. You knew going to the net, Barrett Jackman, He's just going to make you feel it. And I remember, like, after games, leaving this, I think it was the Keel Center at the time, or the Savage Center probably, but the guys would have ice packs. I mean, you couldn't put your suit jacket on, like Sid or Gino or Pascal Dupuis or you know, Chris Kunin. I mean, ice around their knees, ice around their elbows, because you felt the wrath. You felt the pain of playing the St. Louis Blues. It was a hard place to play. It was intimidating. Ryan Reeves was going to fight you. David Backers was going to hit you. Barrett Jackson was going to stick you. At every chance they got, uh, they were going to make you pay 
for every inch. You got to earn every single inch. I think the Blues kind of got away from it there for a while after David Backus left and, of course, Barry Jackson retired after going to Nashville. But now it's back. To me, to me, it really is back. And I think it started with Craig Berube. I think it filtered down to the leadership group of Ryan O'Reilly. He has really done an amazing job of really building that culture. They have a great calmness about their group with the Colton Franco, you know, Vladimir Tarasenko, Brayton Shen, really, to me, he really embodies what Blues hockey is all about. He'll fight you. He'll hit you. He'll drag guys into the fight. So, to me, yes, Michelle, it is a much difficult place to play now because of the culture, like we were just talking about, that has been created, and they're doing it on a very consistent basis. Oh, and by the way, don't forget Jordan Biddington. Even when this team is playing bad, he can kind of keep them always in a position to win games as well. So, now – there is a fear. There is a fear of opponents when they step into this building. We know they're playing the St. Louis Blues, especially here in St. Louis. There is a little bit of that fear, and to me, that's what you have to instill in your opponent before the puck even drops. Joey V, early start tomorrow against Toronto, eh? So uh, don't forget that, 6 o'clock, 5 o'clock pregame here on 101 ESPN. Always good to hear from you, and always good to get some education about something. Today was Coyotes. Yeah, keep, keep an eye on those Coyotes. Don't, don't even try to get rid of them. They're just going to multiply and make more. So just let, leave them be. Let them go. Just let them go like your kids. Just let them go. Let, let them be who they are. Okay, thanks, guys. Have a great weekend. You too. Have a great day. That's Joe Vitale on 101 ESPN. He's the best. Coming up, the fight. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Welcome to the on character and small men in the red corner average joe listener and in the blue corner the undisputed king of morning drive please welcome randy character it is character and Smallman here on 101 espn 837 on this friday in st louis Bedtime Check is brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. And as you just heard Andrew say in the update, Randy undefeated so far in 2022. Will he close out two weeks of undefeated fights or will our challenger today, Jeff, hand him his first loss of the year? Good morning, Jeff. How are you doing? Good morning, Michelle. How are you? I'm doing well, thanks. Do you have anything fun on deck for this weekend? Uh, hopefully staying warm. I hear we're supposed to get some, uh, some, some bad weather. So, uh, I'll probably be in the house. <laughs> probably be in the house watching and listening to Blues Hockey, right? Absolutely. And don't yes. forget pregame here at 5 p.m. tomorrow on 101 ESPN Blues and Maple Leafs. All right, Jeff, are you ready to take on Randy in the fight? I am. Yes. All right. Good luck to you. Here you go. Question number one. Before the recent Major League Baseball lockout, what team, or excuse me, what league of the last four major sports leagues in the United States was the last to be locked out? Was it the NBA, the NHL, or the NFL? Uh, The NHL. Question number two for you, Jeff. Who holds the Blues all-time record for most points in an NHL All-Star game? That is career, not single game. Is it Brett Hull, Adam Oates, or Ryan O'Reilly? Mm. I'm going to say Adam Oates. Question number three for you, Jeff. What athlete holds the record for most appearances on a Sports Illustrated cover? Is it Muhammad Ali, Michael Jordan, or LeBron James? Um... Let's go. Let's go, Michael Jordan. All right. Last question for you, Jeff. This has a little bit of audio with it. A Nick Castellanos home run 
was a part of one of the most talked about calls in sports history. I pride myself and think of myself as a, a man of faith. As there's a drive in a deep left field by Castellanos, it will be a home run. And so that'll make it a 4-0 ball game. What team did the Reds play against that day? Was it the Pirates, the Royals, or the Tigers? Mm. Uh, I mean, this is shot. I'm going to say the Pirates. Checking the score. Okay. Waving Randy in. Yeah, Jeff, we remember the call. We don't necessarily remember the opponent in that game. That's a good question, Andrew. That's yeah. a tough question. All right, Randy, as you're getting um, your headphones on, like that blues hoodie that you're wearing. Thank you. By the way, LGB. Please say good morning and to Thomas. Je- and Thomas, that's right. And hopefully Tarasenko soon. Yeah, right. right. Uh, please say good morning to Jeff. Jeff, good morning. How you doing? Good morning, Randy. How you doing? Long time listener, first time caller. Well, we're thrilled to have you with us. Thanks for listening. Thanks for playing. Absolutely. All right, Randy, question number one. Okay. And by the way, two weeks of undefeated fights on the line here. Ooh, here we go. No pressure. Before the recent Major League Baseball lockout, what league of the four major sports leagues in the United States was the last to be locked out? Well, you had hockey in 13, and they missed games. And let's see if the NBA was after that. Football, you have to go back to 11. Uh, Baseball, obviously, didn't have anything before that. So we're talking hockey or NBA. And I don't... You know what? I do think the NBA might have had a partial season since the NHL. So I'm going to say NBA. Randy, question number two, who holds the Blues all-time record for most points in an NHL all-star game all-time? So over their career. I'm going to go Brad Hall. Question number three, Randy, what athlete holds the record for most appearances on a Sports Illustrated cover? It's either Ali or Jordan. And I'm going to say Muhammad Ali. All right, Randy. A Nick Cassiano's home run was a part of one of the most talked about calls in sports history. I pride myself and think of myself as a, a man of faith. As there's a drive in a deep left field by Castellanos, it will be a home run. And so that'll make it a 4 nothing ball game. What team did the Reds play against that day? Well, Tom Brennan got in trouble for referencing a line from Blazing Saddles. And so it was Kansas City. I hired you guys to lay a bunch of track. (laughs) (laughs) Jeff appreciates the line. <laughs> Love the laugh, Jeff. All right, guys, you we have a tie. A tie on a Friday. Both Jeff and Randy each got two correct, which means we're headed to the tiebreaker round here is how this is going to work, guys. I am going to read the tiebreaker question. Randy's going to write down his answer on what are we working with today? A little post-it note. A post-it note. I'd love to see what type of paper Randy writes it. Sometimes I think when you write it on the bigger pad, Randy, you fare better. Just an observation on on my end. Anyway, uh, Randy's going to write down his answer. Jeff, we're going to get you first crack at it. About 10 seconds to give us your answer. Randy will then share with us what he wrote down on that little post-it. And the first to get it correct or closest to the pin wins. Jeff, are you ready? Yes. Randy, are you ready? I'm ready. 
All right, guys, here we go. The tiebreaker question is this. How much money in dollars did Babe Ruth pay a fan who caught his 700th career home run? How much money in dollars did Babe Ruth pay a fan who caught his 700th career home run? Hmm. Okay, I have seen Randy's post-it. Jeff, whenever you're ready, sir. Uh, 35 bucks. <laughs> you're serious? <laughs> it's a push. I don't know what to do. You guys are... What do we do, Andrew? I don't know. We've never had this before. I don't, we, we haven't. This is, this is interesting. Okay, so you know what we're going to do is... I don't know. Do we have another question? Do you have another question in the bank? I don't know how to. So you, you guys. We do, we do so have here, m- multiple questions here, in the bank. I'm going to vamp here for a second while you look up another question. We've got to go double tiebreaker here because what happened is I'm going to run through all of our answers. Well, okay. give Andrew some time here. So back to the top. Before this baseball lockout, the league of the four major sports leagues in the U.S. that was the last to be locked out was the NHL 2012-2013. It ended on January 6th, 2013. The blue that holds the all-time record for most points in an NHL All-Star game is Brett Hull with 10. You have Ryan O'Reilly, number 8, and Adam Oates with number 6, just in case you were wondering. The athlete that holds the record for most appearances on a Sports Illustrated cover is Michael Jordan. Mm. Muhammad Ali second on that list, Randy, though, so good guess there. And you heard that call from Tom Brenneman, that Nick Castellanos home run. Very talked about call in baseball and in sports history. The team that the Reds were playing against that day was the Royals. Randy got that one correct. Which led us to the tiebreaker round. And here's the question. How much money in dollars did Babe Ruth pay a fan who caught his 700th career home run? Randy guessed $5. Jeff guessed 35 The correct answer is $20. You're both $15 off. So it's a push, which leads us hopefully to another question. Andrew, did I give you enough time there? Yes. Yes, and I have it right here. Okay, so go ahead. here is the question for both of you. Mm-hmm. And we'll do the same rules. Randy will write it down. Jeff, yep. you're going to get first crack at it, it, just so we don't have a All justice right. for Jeff situation here. All right. How many, how many official footballs, NFL footballs, must each team deliver and be wiped down by their equipment manager 135 minutes before game time? Want to read it one more time? Yes. How many NFL footballs must be delivered to the equipment manager by each team 135 minutes before kickoff? Okay. Randy showed me his answer. Jeff, whenever you're ready. I'm going to say 60. Jeff says 60. Randy, your answer is? 24. First time on the fight, double overtime. And massive (laughs) shout out to Andrew for getting another question that we did not have prepared on the fly. Good question at that. Is Randy still undefeated in 2022? Or did Jeff, with a double overtime performance, knock him out? Did he take down Megamind? Andrew, ring it. Still champion of the fight, Randy Carricker. Brought to you by Optical Expressions, providing St. Louis with top quality eye care and eyewear since 1997. I'm sorry, Jeff. What a fight. What an epic battle from you. But Megamind prevails. Randy, I'm surprised you're not firing things off here. Just win, baby. There we go. I mean, double (laughs) overtime victory. I thought we were going to get several. All I do is win. I'm sorry, Jeff. 
just makes your vibe in your chair. You know? it does, yeah. This makes me feel like I'm on the sand drinking a Mai Tai. You know what I mean? Tough question. Tough question. Okay, Andrew, can you read us the question one more time? Since we've already gone through all the others, let's get the, the double tiebreaker question one more time. Yes, the double tie tiebreaker. How many NFL footballs must be delivered, brushed, and wiped down to the equipment manager 135 minutes before kickoff? Randy, guess 24. Jeff, guess 60. No questions there. It was 24. Randy knew it. He knew what he was talking about. I'm so, I know. I'm sorry, Jeff. Hey, I'm Randy really sorry. reads the rule book. That's right. Randy knows Great all. Great job, those. Randy. I paid attention to Spygate or to Deflategate. <laughs> yes, you did. Yeah. Great Ra job. Yes. Oh, well, look at the sportsmanship, Jeff. I appreciate yeah. you. I hope you have an awesome weekend. Yep. Yeah, thanks, Jeff. Absolutely. Yeah. We'll see you guys. Have a great weekend, you too. Andrew. Congratulations. I appreciate it, Jeff. Thanks so much. All right. Have a great day. See you, you too. Jeff. Take care. You know, when I first got to ESPN, that was one of the stories that was really big that we covered, mm -hmm. Deflategate. And that went on for so it long. It did. It was when forever. I am telling you, I never wanted to hear the term PSI ever again as long <laughs> as I lived. I was like, this is still going on. We still have to talk about this. Crazy. Unbelievable. You know, in St. Louis, we wouldn't have given it that much airtime. Yeah. But when it's Tom Brady, when it's yeah. the Patriots... And when it's national, you're talking about it every day. Hey, congratulations to Gary Pinkle, former Mizzou coach, is headed to the College Football Hall of Fame. He's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. We were so excited earlier this week to read the news that former Mizzou coach Gary Pinkle has been elected to the College Football Hall of Fame. That's Michelle Smallman. I'm Randy Carrick, and we go to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line, where Coach is standing by. Good morning, sir. Congratulations. How are you doing? Oh, I'm doing great. It's been a bit overwhelming. You know, it's kind of settled down a little bit, but, uh, you know, something I never thought would happen. Um, I, I just... Uh, Anyway, I knew my name was, you know, was in there in terms of, uh, of the voting. But uh, anyway, it was a great day for uh, me when I heard this. And it, it certainly there's huge influence on a lot of people that are a part of this thing. And, Gary, uh, I think your story of how you found out and then how you told your wife is one of my favorite Hall of Fame <laughs> stories ever. So if you can relay that to us. Well, not this Wednesday, the Wednesday before last. Um, I... Uh, my wife and I, we were in Columbia, went out to dinner, came back, and there was a, it was a box in the front in front of our house, front door. And so what, what uh, we went in, took some groceries in, and went in. Did, before we know, we both forgot about it. Next day, I get up, I go work out, I come back, I see it's still sitting there underneath there. And so I pick the box up, I take it in the house. My wife, Missy, she says, yeah, I'm going to go take, she has a couple appointments coming up. She's going to take a shower, and I said, okay, and I, so I slice it, open it up. I open the top up, and I, you can tell there's a football in there. And the reason I mention I mention this too, but people send me sometimes uh, footballs to sign, and then and then I send the sign it and send it back. So I kind of thought it was that's what I kind of thought it was. There was an envelope on, on top, so I couldn't really see much of the football. You know, see the you know what is, what, what eventually was on it, and uh, then there was a card on top of it. So I grabbed the card. And I look at it, and it said this. And it says, um, of the 5.54 million who have played and coached college football since 1869, only 1,038 players and 223 coaches out of that 5.54 million 
have been inducted into the College Football Hall of Fame, and it said, welcome to the club. And I just, I broke down. I mean, I, I was crying. I mean, I was, I was, in fact, I was thinking, if one of my friends did this, I'm going to blow up their car. <laughs> so, anyway, so uh, I was, I was, oh, I was overwhelmed. I just almost didn't know if I should believe this or not, you know? So, I, I, you know, it just all happened in a moment. And so I go into the shower, I'm running the shower, and I, I, I said, this, and, so, and I, I, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm crying, and she's going, what happened, what happened? I mean, I mean she thought something really bad happened. And I said, read this, read this. I stuck, stuck that thing right in front of her. <laughs> Welcome to the club. And then she started screaming. She was naked screaming, but she was screaming. That's what <laughs> so anyway, it was, a, it was a moment I'll never forget the rest of my life. And it's interesting, too. They, that's the way they do it. They've been doing that for many, many years there. Um, the athletic director at Toledo, uh, where I was before, and the athletic director um, at Mizzou, both were, were, were giving notices when that thing was put in front of our door. So 24 hours later, they were supposed to make contact with me. It's, it was incredible. So anyway, I'm, I'm very honored. Um, but this is so much bigger than me. Uh, this, is, this is all the people, all the coaches, all the administrators, all the people that are part of all the people that touch my players uh, daily to help them be better people, to help them be better football players, so on and so forth. All these people are part of this award. Coach, has it really sunk in yet that you're a Hall of Famer? You're recounting the story to us. You know that it's happening. But have you really had a chance to take a step back and look back on your career and really savor all that you've accomplished now that you're officially a Hall of Famer? Yeah, I think so a little bit. You know, I, I was never one to look back a whole lot, you know. But, uh, you know, uh, I just really important. I, I, I got to tell you this, when I run into players or coaches where they call me or text me, you know, throughout the year and throughout, you know, things going on and, and what have you, I always, I always, and whether they were the starter or they were played in the NFL 10 years or whether they, whether they were backups, whatever, I always thank them at the end of my text or at the end of my message, I always thank them for all they did for me and all they did for Mizzou or all they did for Toledo. That's what I tell them every time. And, and so that's, that's what this is all about. There's, there's so many people. I never thought this was going to happen. It was never one of my goals. I'm very goal-oriented, but I, I don't have goals, you know, for personal, you know, but for something great happens to me. That's not really – I thought I'd win a national championship. But uh, this is surely an honor. This is beyond you, – you just saw the numbers there. This is uh, this is a very select group of people, and I'm certainly uh, very honored uh, to represent the University of Toledo and the University of Missouri. Coach, coaching in the NFL and coaching in college is so different because you really are forming and developing really boys into men as a college coach. I remember Coach Vermeil told me one time the thing that made him proudest was he was able to get NFL players to do things that they didn't think that they could do. I have to believe that you got some kids into school and got them out of school and got them to graduate that didn't think when they started school that they could do it. Yeah, I, I, that's a responsibility that we had. I mean, that was a mandatory. In any home I was in, it didn't matter. No matter if the, the, the young man was a, you know, a, just a decent student or a great student. At the end of, end of I, I, I always told the parents right from the very beginning. I didn't say it because it sounded good, but I'd always look them in the eye and I would always tell them. I'd say, listen, I said, you know, you're gonna, you're coming, you're going to school to graduate. I know you want to play in the NFL and all that stuff. That's great. There's nothing wrong with that. But, but so you have to understand that we're going to have. You know, we're going to have a lot of control over what happens to you in terms of putting you in a position, study table, and things like that so you can excel. 
And then eventually when you mature through that and you can do it on your own and ask for uh, assistance, that's when it's going to go. So I told parents that all the time. That was, our staff knew about that. You know, and I didn't come in there and say, well, let's, what do you guys want to do? We, we, have, you know, we had a lot of things in place to help our kids. And, and, and also be better people. I mean, that, that's the other thing, too. I, I've learned some environments you know, that were just incredible. You expect that kid to come out like how you use Chase Daniel for where, where, you know, Chase Daniel was blessed. He had a mom and dad at home. He, you know, he, they were remarkable people, awesome people. And I have some players who come out of some really, really incredible backgrounds and a lot of things going on within those families. And, uh, and you know, you expect them to be the same. Well, they're not going to be. And so our one of, one of the things I always did when we went out recruiting, I wanted to make sure I, where the players are committed to us. I was in every one of their homes because I wanted to know that I just want to get my feel for their background, their background. So that when, although we don't make rules for different players, we're very consistent from that standpoint. What it did do is I just knew how to handle things or how to communicate a little bit better because I understood what was kind of going on in their lives previously. And and Gary, because of those relationships, I have to believe you've gotten a ton of texts and calls. Do you have any idea how many in the last week that you've received? I, I, I can't even give you the numbers. <laughs> kind of a lot. And, you know, they're so so positive and so kind. And, you know, and, and all these people, all these all these players and coaches and stuff that are texting me. And there's a lot of coaches that, you know, that, that, are, that are away from me. I mean, that, that, that I coached against and stuff, too. But at the end of the day, uh, you know, it, it's just been it's just been absolutely remarkable. And they're saying all these nice things. I said, why didn't you say nice things when you were playing for me? Like, <laughs> life in order here a little bit <laughs> that's right coach <laughs> well i had a really good time reading about your career in its entirety last night coach and i want to go back to the very beginning at missouri the state of the program wasn't exactly ideal when you first got the opportunity to come to columbia and i was actually reading that a lot of people told you not to come to mizzou what was it about this school and this opportunity that made you want to go there well, you know, I think, you know, you look at Missouri, everybody always look at it. It's, it's uh, right in the middle of the state, uh, and you got, you got, you know, it's very high, good academic school, uh, and, and you got two major cities in St. Louis and Kansas City. But, you know, I, I hear the program had two inning seasons in 17 years. It wasn't working consistently. There are times in the past where, you know, the 60s and stuff, and say some of the guys in the early 80s and stuff, there were some, some good things happened there, but, you know, it's just that's just kind of kind of the way it is, and that's 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 kind of you know what it was. Um, so I I I just thought when we got here, you know, I just had to kind of figure out the environment of what it was. Mike Alden, I would have never come out here without Mike Alden ever when I come here because I just I had to have a feel to have somebody that was going to trust me and understand how difficult it's going to be. And how, how and, and what we had to do, and you got to understand too. We didn't, I didn't come in here and get the staff together and say, okay, well, how do you guys want to do this? You know, through Don James, who I have to, my high school coach, Dick Fortner, and Don James, I, you know, blessed to be around great guys. But Don James, I, I, I that program that I played under that won championships, that, that I worked with him at the University of Washington that won championships. Um, that that's what we're going to do. He said, I'm not going to go around the room and say, okay, guys, how do you want to do this? And we came in here, it was bam, bam, A to Z, it was done. Now, we always, we always evaluate ourselves and always make ourselves better to improve. But at the end of the day, those philosophies went in. And I went over something that was really difficult for me, and I'll use St. Louis, for example. When we first got here, 
you know, I, two, the two schools would not even let me in their room. They, they had such bad experiences with, with University of Missouri uh, coaches. And so uh, I, I had to kind of get, a, get an honest story. And pretty much what I would do in St. Louis and Kansas City, and actually I would do it outside, but certainly there because everybody kind of knew the history of Missouri the previous 20 years and it wasn't very good. And so I would go into them and I'd say, okay, listen, listen, real quick here. Let me, let me tell you, let me tell you why we're going to win. Okay. Is it going to be easy? No. I'm going to tell you why we're going to win. Well, I'm going to go way back, back in 1970, early seventies. I was playing at Kent state university, a guy named Nick Saban's on that team, a guy named Jack Lambert's on that team and a kid coach named Don James comes in. Okay. We win a championship. Okay. Never won one in the history of the school. Right after that, I picked that. He picks that program up, takes from Kent state. He takes the university of Washington. They won a national championship in 91. I went to 11 bowls in 12 years when I was coaching there. Okay. So what I did is I became head coach at Toledo. So that at Kent State, where it won at a high level where you couldn't win. At Washington, same thing. At Washington, I'm going to drop it into Toledo, Ohio. Okay? Well, guess what we did? We were undefeated in 1995. We were three divisional championships, one championship. We did a lot of great things. So now I am here in St. Louis, and you're looking at me saying, is this, it, it, how, how do we really know it's going to change? Well, I'm a, uh, this is, that's, that's why we're doing all this. I'm going to change. Because it worked at Kent State, it worked at Washington, it worked at Toledo, and guess what? It's going to work at Missouri. I guarantee you. And then, you know, then we started getting some, you know, I get, you know, J-Mac jumped in. You know, he dropped, said no to Oklahoma, said, no, I'm going to stay here, I'm going to go to Missouri. And then it started, without using names, started all through the state. And obviously, you have to recruit out, well outside the state. But at the end of the day, you got to get your home base going, and uh, that's kind of the stories we did. And I had, to, I had, you know, they were hit. They heard coaches telling all the reasons how they were going to win. They just keep firing them, firing them, and firing them. I had to use that storyline. I know it took a long time, but that storyline was when things started flipping. They kind of said, "Well, look back and said, well, okay, this makes sense. This, uh, you, you have a plan for these things.'" And the plan did come to fruition, just like you had forecasted, but it didn't happen overnight. You had years that you didn't see the success that you wanted, and you had to eventually build towards, you know, being the coach of the year in the SEC, being the number one program in the country, your overall record of 118 and 73. And, Coach, when you look around at college football now, it seems like head coaches do not get a long leash. Sometimes it's one, two, three years, if they're lucky, to turn the fortunes of a program around. So when you think about your career, specifically at Mizzou, do you ever feel like you were lucky that you had the support around you to give you time to build what Mizzou eventually became? Yeah, I, I think one of the reasons why that's happening right now is there's so much money in it. You know, I mean, you know, millions and millions of dollars coaches are getting paid now. The, now, that's the entertainment dollar. That's just the way it is. You know, that's, that, that's the way movies, you know, music, all that kind of stuff. And and that was really, that that's really kind of, people I think are very impatient, you know, we're paying you five million a year, and you win three games. I mean, back to back years, and you know they, they just don't they don't want it. They, and then and then people that are given money are frustrated because I'm giving money and, and we're paying them all this, and then I get it done. So I think that has a big to do a big big thing to do with it. Now, for me personally, um, I like I mentioned before, I wouldn't come here if it wasn't for Mike Alden. I would never never have come here. And I just needed somebody that I could trust, you know. And I, he knew me when I was a coaching assistant at Washington, so he knew something about me. Uh, I, you know, I just, I just, we just got along really well. And I told him when I accepted the job, I said, "There's going to be a time when I'm going to need you, and I'm going to need you to support me when I'm not the most popular guy around town." And and it happened, you know. We, we had losing, losing, winning, losing, and 
Um, I mean, and we're right at the, I mean, we're right there. We're, we're, we're going to make the move here pretty quick. And I remember talking to Mike Alden after that, you know, that fourth year. And, and, and I said, you know, Mike said, you think you should make coaching changes? No, no. I got great staff. No, not, I'm not going to throw a guy up and throw him, throw him up and have so he can shoot at him. So they say Pinkle's making changes. I got a good staff. I said, but I remember I told you, I'm going to need you to help. I'm going to need you. Or I need you right now. I need you to, you know, allow me to get, continue this thing. And then the rest is history. So kind of funny as you look back, how those things work out. But at the end of the day, Mike Alden is, uh, he, he really was exceptional to work for. And, and I'm certainly, uh, you know, he was all part of this and, like everybody else, and certainly honored to be a part of it. Well, Gary Pinkle, it was an amazing career, and now a college football Hall of Fame career. I know you're going to be honored in Columbia during the season, and then the induction on December 6th of 2022, and we can't wait for that. Thanks so much for the time, and again, congratulations. And thank you, guys. I appreciate it. God bless you. You too. Take care. That is Gary Pinkle, College Football Hall of Famer on 101 ESPN. Think about how that one hire of Gary Pinkle and the support and faith in him literally changed the trajectory of Mizzou. Are they, is the stadium in this, uh, the state it is right now without Gary Pinkle, are they in the SEC? Do you, he literally changed the way that we view Missouri Tiger football. And you talk about a place that was not an attractive place, and he would have had good reason to not come with all the success that he enjoyed at Toledo, but... Dan Devine left for the Green Bay Packers. After that, Al Onofrio was the Mizzou head coach, never coached again after Mizzou. Warren Powers was then the next head coach, never coached again after Mizzou. Then they hired Woody Widenhofer. He wound up at Vanderbilt for a couple of years, but didn't do much coaching. After Woody, it was Bob Stull, never coached again after coaching at Mizzou. Then Larry Smith, never coached again after Mizzou. And those guys were all you know, three, four, five-year guys that never won. It was a graveyard for head coaches, and Gary turned it into an attractive spot again, and that's why they have Eli Drinkwitz now, and they have a, a future at Mizzou. But you're right. He changed the course of a program. That's remarkable. It really yeah. is, and he's so deserving of this honor of the Hall of Fame. Yeah, great guy, and uh, we're thankful to have him on. Coming up next, Robert Thomas is not on the NHL's all-star team. He has a chance to be, but Vladimir Tarasenko isn't either, and there are some other notable snubs. Is the NHL doing it right with the all-star game? That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Opinions matter. Time now for today's big thing with Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. The National Hockey League announced their all-star teams yesterday in this first year of having ESPN and TNT as television partners. And Michelle, while you don't want to begrudge anybody an opportunity to make an all-star team, and I'm not ready to say that anybody who made the all-star teams shouldn't be all-stars, but I do believe that the National Hockey League could have done a better job of actually especially in the first year of a new TV deal, having your stars on the teams. Isn't it called the All-Star Game? Yes. So you would think that you would want all of the stars in your league to be featured. Yeah, and I know that there are issues with four teams and they're playing the three-on-three tournament and you have a limited amount of openings for each team 
And maybe the problem is there just aren't enough players. But when you have an event, and we talk about Vladimir Tarasenko here, guy that's been on the NHL video game cover, big time star. The biggest star in the game is Sidney Crosby. He's not playing in the all-star game. Uh, Artemi Panarin, one of the biggest stars in your biggest market with the Rangers, had a great year last year. He's not playing. You've got John Tavares, who played with the Islanders. He's one of the biggest stars in Canada and one of the leading scorers. He's a legitimate all-star this year. He's not on the team. Steven Stamkos, back-to-back Stanley Cup champion. Granted, he's had his injuries, but having a great year. If you are, if, if I'm the NHL, I want these players and these names on the screen when the All-Star game is played. And those are only a handful of the big names that aren't participating. Mm-hmm. You didn't even mention our personal favorite. He's the Bruins' leading scorer right now, Brad Marchand. Yeah, right. And the Bruins are obviously a team that has won Stanley Cups and been in the playoffs and been in the in the Cup Finals in recent years. He's a big name. He's a, he's somebody that people love to hate, too. We talked about hate-watching teams. How many people would hate-watch the All-Star game to tune in and yeah. see Brad Marchand? But I just think if you're hockey, I know that they're trying to make this interesting and, and different, but if you're going to have an All-Star game and it doesn't include Sidney Crosby, maybe you need to take a step back and say, what are we doing here, guys? And three-on-three three is a different animal, and you don't need as many players. But it sure would seem like it would be easy to add two players per division so that you can get all those guys that we're talking about into the game. And maybe they need to have a rule where, and everybody's having good years that we mentioned, but maybe to get a star in there, if Sidney Crosby is having a down year, uh, Kuznetsov this year, if he's able to go in the game, get a guy like that into the game and just add two players to put on the bench for the the games that they'll play the three on three games that they'll play this is to me another issue with the nhl just not having a a real strong grasp of the fact that they're in the entertainment business well we talk about this with the nhl we talk about this with baseball all the time the nfl has done an unbelievable and of course the nba but both have done an unbelievable job of marketing their stars Mm -hmm. And if you're the NHL, especially when baseball, everyone's mad at baseball, they're in a lockout. What a great opportunity for you to showcase all of the unbelievable talent and the big names that you have, not only in America, but internationally. Isn't the whole point of any of these games or any of the products that they put on the ice to get as many eyeballs on as possible? That's why all these TV deals are worth as much money as they're worth. And if you have an all-star game coming up and you arguably the biggest star in the league, or at least one of them, and Sidney Crosby isn't going to be featured, that just seems like such a, a short-sighted miss. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, what, right. it, it would just seem that a collective group of people who is trying to get as many people to watch their product as possible and therefore make as much money as possible would see that this is something they need to rectify. And one of the advantages of being on ESPN is that as a sports consumer you will accidentally run into things on ESPN that you wouldn't have on MSNBC. Nobody just automatically, I, I won't say nobody, very few people, well, MS, or uh, not MS, uh, NBC Sports Network doesn't exist anymore. But it wasn't a go-to for me. I, I go to ESPN. See, see what's up on ESPN. I never did that with MSNBC. And I have to believe that there are a lot of people that are that way. Those are four big letters. They still draw well. And there are people that are going to run into a hockey game without any 
plans to run into a hockey game, but they do because of the network that it's on. And it, those are the people, the, the people that wouldn't ordinarily watch a hockey game, but then you get to it and you say, oh, that's pretty cool, and you start watching it. Well, not to mention that you're getting all of this extra promotion. So even if you're not a hockey fan and you're yeah. watching First Take, guess what they're talking about? is a property that they own and that you should tune into. And it's much easier to get someone who's not necessarily a hockey fan but might not have anything else to watch that night to tune in if you're leading with Sidney Crosby is going to be there. Yeah, right. <laughs> or a name that the average person can recognize. Well, and by the way, if this morning they're having this conversation on first take, we know that not having Sidney Crosby there is blasphemous. It's deplorable. Absolutely <laughs> deplorable. And now it is a good opportunity for a young ascending star like Jordan Cairo to get mm -hmm. his name out there and for people to get a look at him early in right. his career before he come, becomes the bigger star. However, so I, I appreciate that aspect of it. But if I am a suit, as we like to call them, well, one of the powers that be at the network that's making these decisions, if I'm flipping around and it says you can tune into the NHL All-Star Game to check out Jordan Cairo and I live in L.A., I'm like, who? Pass. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? We know that Jordan Cairo is exceptional. If that average person in L.A. gave the All-Star Game a chance, they would see how exceptional Jordan Cairo is. But they're much more likely to tune in if they hear Sidney Crosby. Draw them in with the stars. So that's the NHL All-Star Game. Meanwhile, this is also week one of the NFL playoffs. We're going to have, well, it's just a super wild card weekend, Michelle. I don't know if you're aware of this, but we're going to have two games tomorrow, three games on Sunday, all here on 101 ESPN, and then a Monday night football game as well between the Arizona Cardinals and the Los Angeles Rams, a St. Louis Bowl on Monday night football in the playoffs. That might be the one that we have a little bit of an emotional investment in. I, I would think so. Yeah. Do you have any bold predictions for these NFL playoffs? I, I have several, and it's very fun. I was writing these out last night. It's very fun when you caveat it as this is a bold prediction mm -hmm. because a lot of the stuff I actually believe, but when you throw it out there as this is a bold prediction, it, you, you just feel more comfortable about your statements. Okay, Randy, how about this one? My, my first bold prediction the 49ers are the NFC West team that makes it the furthest in these playoffs. I like that. That is bold. And I could I could see that being the case too. I don't I I think that's very bold. I, I like that a lot. Michelle, I've got one for this weekend. Joe Mixon, not Joe Burrow, will be the Joe that comes out of this weekend as the star of the Bengals. The Raiders 23rd in the NFL against the run. It's going to be 28 degrees and cloudy at game time in Cincy, so the passing game will be affected by the weather. And Zach Taylor is going to rely on the ground game, and it will be Joe Mixon that's the Bengals' star this weekend. He might be effective, but I don't think he's going to be the star. He's going to, he'll be the reason that they beat the Raiders. But Joe Burrow will be the headline. No, Joe Mixon's going to run for like 130 <laughs> yards. Well, either way, whatever Joe it is that propels them to victory, that leads me into my next bold prediction, Randy. I think the Bengals are going to play in the AFC Championship game. Wow. I think that they clearly could beat the Raiders. I would, mm -hmm. I would actually be more surprised if the Raiders won that game. And then Patriots or Bills, both teams have their vulnerabilities. And with that explosive Bengals offense, I like their, their chances with that matchup either way.
That would be a lot of fun. And they're going to have to win with their explosive offense because they aren't going to win because of their defense. No. But we've seen teams in this era win because of and be in the Super Bowl because of their offense. Michelle, you made the point that the 49ers will go the farthest among the NFC West teams in these playoffs. Bold prediction, the 49ers will blow out the Cowboys this weekend. It's not even going to be close. It's just a bad matchup for Dallas. Dallas won't be able to run the ball against the league's top rush defense. Their run game has really been limited lately with the injuries to Elliott and Pollard. And those 49er pass rushers will tee off against an inconsistent Dak Prescott. And meanwhile, what Dallas does well is rush the passer. But they aren't that physical up front. And what San Francisco did to the Rams last week, they'll do again to the Cowboys this week. They'll pound the Cowboys. And the 49ers, it won't be a game in the fourth quarter. I don't even know if that is that bold of a prediction because I'm with you. I think the 49ers are, when I look at this matchup, clearly the favorite in my mind. And I know Jerry said unquestionably Super Bowl or bust. I think it's a bust, Jerry. I'm with him. I think it's a bust. All right, Randy, my final bold prediction. I think a lot of people, when they look at this NFL playoff landscape, there's one team that jumps out at them, and that's the Green Bay Packers. I think a lot of people are assuming that the Packers are going to be the inevitable Super Bowl champion. And my boldest of bold prediction is that the Packers are not going to win the Super Bowl. I know we have an MVP caliber quarterback in Aaron Rodgers and a very motivated Aaron Rodgers at that. This is someone that has a lot of logs burning on that anger fire. He he always carries a chip right now. He's carrying Mount Rushmore on that shoulder, okay? And that does make a difference. But when I look back to the games that they've played after their bye week, which was week 13, Yes, they beat the Bears, but then they barely beat an absolutely decimated Ravens team, 31-30. to 30. They barely beat Cleveland, you remember, on Christmas. Baker Mayfield obviously banged up with that shoulder. They had no business making that game that close. Of course, they handled the Vikings, and then they inevitably lost to Detroit, but Aaron Rodgers didn't play the entire game, so right. it's not exactly a fair matchup. But I just look at some of those games down the stretch that the Green Bay Packers barely squeaked out, and I think they're more vulnerable than a lot of people think. I'll be interested to see that. With the bye and only one team getting a bye, getting Bakhtiari 100% healthy, they're going to get Zedarius Smith back. They're going to get Jair Alexander back. They're going to be playing at home on January 30th where it's going to be zero degrees, and it'll almost inevitably be against a warm-weather team. I see them in the Super Bowl, and if they get into the Super Bowl, I think the only team that can beat them, that can outgun them in a Super Bowl, would be a healthy Chiefs team. So that is a bold prediction on your part. Michelle, it's going to be four degrees in Buffalo. It's going to be real cold. The wind chill is going to be well below zero. Mac Jones is from Jacksonville, Florida. He went to Alabama. His Patriots are one and three since the weather got cold, (laughs) and they don't beat good teams. Amazingly, the Patriots are not a cold weather team. The Bills are a four-point favorite, and they cover by a wide margin against New England. That's going to happen. The, there couldn't be a worse matchup for the Patriots with Mac Jones at quarterback than the one they have this weekend. I don't know. I know, I know that you think that the elements won't affect Buffalo at all. Well, the, I, I'm not saying they won't affect them, but the fact that Buffalo's a good team will affect New England more than the cold will. New England just did not beat good teams this year. They did beat the Bills. Yeah, but I, I'll tell you what. If those are normal weather conditions, if it's not 50-mile-an-hour winds, I, I wonder. That game was close anyway. I wonder if that might have been a completely different scenario.
if Belichick beats the Bills, will you consider, even if, if that's where their playoff road stops, if they beat the Bills and get into the next round, would you consider this one of his best coaching jobs ever this season? Yeah, I would say it was really good. With a quarterback as limited as the one that he has, uh, th- they don't really have a ton of talent on that team. Getting Matthew Judon was great. Offensive talent leaves a lot to be desired. Yeah, I would say that if uh, if he can get past Buffalo in this game, that would be a pretty substantial coaching job on their part. He and McDaniels and the defensive staff. I would say so, yeah. Those are our bold predictions for this weekend in the NFL. Coming up, you're killing me, Smalls. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. It is time for... You're killing me, Smalls. Randy, when all the NFL head coaching firings were happening on Black Monday, I kept saying, what about David calling in the Texans? Do you think he survives? And there was some discussion about whether they would retain him or not after a 4-13 and season. It was only his first year at the helm as the head coach of the Houston Texans. But they waited several days, the Texans. Everyone thought David Culley was safe. And then they fired him yesterday. The Houston Texans actually fired him after one season, 4-13. and But given the circumstances that he walked into and the talent that he had it seems like David Coley did a pretty good job yeah to win four games with the talent that they provided him and without Deshaun and last year after the season they let J.J. Watt go and he so he never had his best defensive or offensive player that he he hoped to have I I would say yeah he did a, a pretty good job and he also winds up with a pretty good going away present and a lot of speculation Michelle that Nick Casario their GM is hot after Brian Flores well they've got Nick Casario they've got Jack Easterby in house they've got a lot of former Patriots there maybe they reunite the band and just get another former Belichick guy in the building and why did Deshaun Watson want to go to Miami Brian Flores makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? Well, you mentioned that he got a pretty good uh, consolation prize after being fired, David Culley did. So the Texans, this is from Tom Pelissero of NFL Network. The Texans owe David Culley another $17 million over the next three years. So even if he was one and done, even if he was the fall guy there, he's going to walk away with about $22 million for one season of work. And he's 66 years old. He might be really happy about that. Hey, I don't have to deal with all of that in the organization that is so dysfunctional anymore. And multiple reports that Nick Casario would be on the headset actually providing input into what should go on during the game. And if you're a head coach, you don't want the general manager sitting up in a booth with the assistant saying, here, do this, do this, do this. You just don't want that as a head coach, especially when you've been around forever like he has, coaching in the NFL for 31 years. Maybe he's happy just to walk away with the, the money and say, hey, I'm, I'm out of there. $22 million for one year? Sign me up. Yeah, not bad. I'll, I'll do it. I'll take that job. Now, it's probably frustrating for him. Uh, granted, I, I'm sure that he's pleased with the with this figure that he's walking away from. But to think that you go in there and that given the circumstances, you actually outperform your expectations and you still aren't considered good enough, that has to be annoying. But I wonder if Nick Casario does, in fact, bring B-Flow in, if he's going to take a step back and give him a little bit more autonomy. Because Brian Flores is clearly a coach that knows how to get a team to win. And I don't know if he would take too kindly to having someone 
someone, especially a GM that he's familiar with, over his shoulder trying to dictate what he does on a day-in and day-out basis. That should never happen to a head coach in the NFL. There should never be a scenario in which a general manager or an owner is telling a head coach what to do. Zero opportunities for that to happen. There shouldn't be. But yet it's happening. Yeah, it is. We're seeing that in all of sports. The front office is taking mm-hmm. center stage. Yeah. I wonder what would happen, for example, where Casario and B-Flow and Jack Easterby came from if somebody in the front office would hop on a headset and try to talk to the head coach about what goes on during the game. Uh, but they wouldn't even get access to the head, to the headset <laughs> during the game. You know, they, right. wouldn't even be, they wouldn't even know what channel to tune into. Yeah. You're killing me, Small. Well, speaking of their former head coach, Bill Belichick, we know that with the Patriots and the Bills this weekend, we're talking cold, we're talking blustery weather up in Buffalo. Actually, I added this to my little weather app here. Right now, it's 27 degrees in Buffalo, snow showers. It's going to snow 90% for the rest of the day. And this weekend, we're talking lows of four degrees. Mm-hmm. So some serious weather issues that these teams are going to have to deal with. And Josh Allen, Bill's quarterback, mentioned he had bad circulation when talking about the weather and some of the challenges that he would have to overcome. But Bart Scott was on former NFL mm-hmm. player, was on Get Up on ESPN. He said, no problem, Josh, Josh Allen. I have just the cure for you. You know, I spoke to Josh Allen over the phone about how he's going to handle the cold weathers. Because here's the issue with Josh Allen. Over the last 15 years, he's the second worst completion percentage in the NFL in freezing temps. The guy hates the cold. He doesn't play well. And he says the reason is because he's got bad circulation. So his toes get cold. And as you know, with your can feet. I, can, I, can I get you a suggestion for him? You want Josh me? Allen listening? Can people get this message to him? Viagra. Take some Viagra for the game, baby. Got to fit that circulation going right. I, I don't so, know how to move uh, off of that. I don't have any medical background, so I can't. I don't really have an, a response to that. But you, you play, so the, you must of, know something. A lot of us take Viagra, right? Because Viagra opens up the blood Wait, vessels. Sir, sir, a lot of us take Viagra. What do you mean? A lot, of, a lot of NFL players, at least in my day, took Viagra because it opens up the blood vessels. A lot of endurance athletes because Viagra was first uh, a heart medicine, right? So it builds up circulation, which makes sure that it gets the circulation to the feet. Interesting. I wasn't aware of that. And it does make sense what Bart Scott says. So we're wondering what athletes take before a game, what their pregame routine looks like. Who knew guys were popping Viagra? I mean, I guess that's one way to get excited for that matchup. Well, that's the thing you have to do is you have to think about football. You can't get too excited. You just have to have the blood flowing, but then not think about uh, things that would get you excited, except for football. Yeah, it could be distracting during the game, no? Oh, especially at the bottom of a pile. (laughs) I love how Bart Scott Hey, that's not the football. Oh, Randy. Oh, my God. I love how Bart Scott says, can someone get this message to him as if he's not on the biggest sports network in the world talking about taking Viagra before a game and that everyone's not going to dissect it. But I guess if he does have bad circulation and he's desperate, he knows he needs to win this game. Good idea. This is what you need to do. You got to do what you got to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I would think they could. somebody in Buffalo can find him some. And I would imagine, though, if you have that circulation going because of the Viagra throughout the entire game, isn't that when you might need to call your doctor? Uh, yeah, only you know if it I mean? goes beyond four hours. Okay, so if we're talking post game, yeah, he'll be good. <laughs> unless unless they go to overtime. <laughs> <laughs> Although that should help him last longer, theoretically. The Viagra. Yeah. It 
should help them in that overtime scenario. Just saying. Uh, that's uh, You're killing me, Smalls. What's on tap next on 101 ESPN? We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Smallman, I'm Randy Carricker, 101 ESPN in St. Louis. Super Bowl 50 champion Sylvester Williams is a St. Louis native, played at Jeff City, went and played at the University of North Carolina, 2013 first-round draft choice, and then won Super Bowl 50 with the Denver Broncos. And since retiring from the NFL, has founded and is the chief executive officer of Quantum Laboratory. And Sylvester Williams joins us now on 101 ESPN. Sylvester, thanks so much for taking some time with us this morning. Absolutely, man. I appreciate you having me. Well, I, I want to start with this. How does a guy go from playing football all his life to founding a laboratory company? I um, mean, it all go back to, you know, just believing in yourself and you want to do something outside of the box and, and uh, get inside the community and, and help uh, move, push the community forward as much as you can. Sylvester, a lot of athletes, whenever they're done playing, they don't know what that next chapter is. Is this something that you always wanted to do? And how did you get to this stage? Well, I always had a belief in myself that, you know, obviously I was destined to do great things. And and I always kind of thought outside the box. Even my journey to the NFL was kind of outside of the box. And it took a lot of hard work. And so being in the NFL, I would say after year four, you know, when I ended my, my second contract, I, I started to think about life after football at that point. And, and so, you know, you know, what was my legacy going to be, you know, beyond the field? And and I started to, you know, do my research and get inside the community when I learned about the laboratory industry. And, you know, coming from a, a, a family of drug abuse, and then I realized the impact that, you know, toxicology had on the drug uh, rehabilitation industry. It was something that sparked my interest in. Obviously, no minority participation. Being the only black-owned lab in the state of Missouri, it was something that I wanted to uh, shoot for the stars. And founded Quantum Laboratory in 2019. And, Sylvester, I would have to imagine that these last couple of years, once COVID-19 became part of our lexicon on an everyday basis, I would think that your education was accelerated dramatically. Oh, man, absolutely, man. It was crazy because I tell people all the time, we opened the lab up. And uh, we founded it in 2019, and we finally got our doors open in uh, October of 2020. And it was like only been open for a few months. COVID, we ran into a pandemic. At the time, we wasn't even doing COVID testing. And when I learned about, you know, how bad it affected the urban community, I said, man, listen, we're moving into this space immediately. And we built out a molecular space, brought in COVID testing and, and STI, UTI testing, and we offered our services. And Sylvester, there's a lot of people out there right now that are trying to get COVID tests or are curious about going to get a COVID test. So how can they get in touch with Quantum Laboratory? So in order to get in touch with Quantum Laboratory to get a test, you can go to our website and book an appointment at www.quantumlabgroup.com. Again, at www.quantumlabgroup.com. And Sylvester, what's the most important thing that you want people to know? You, you're more educated about this than most of us are, being in the in the laboratory business. What do you want people to know about COVID nineteen and the way they should approach life on a daily basis? 
I mean, I think the best way to, to approach this is to be and to get tested, and I tell people this all the time. Is, you know, being tested, and I, I it, you may not, it may not affect you, but they say, okay, if I catch COVID, I think, okay, well, I'm okay, and and I go hang around a buddy of mine who has a grandmother at home who's in her 80s or 90s, and he goes home to see his grandmother, and then okay, she's the one that it costs her her life. So I think the important thing is you want to be tested, especially before you go around family or friends or having a night out or in, enjoying some time on vacation. You want to get tested immediately because and you may feel like, okay, I'm strong enough to, to be COVID, but it's not about me. It's about, you know, my kids and my family and the people around me. It's who we need, who I'm trying to protect. And once again, tell us how people can get in touch with Quantum Laboratory. You can go to our website to book an appointment at www.quantumlabgroup.com. And if you can't do that, you can call the phone number at 314-731-6525. Sylvester Williams, thanks for what you're doing for the community. We greatly appreciate it. And have a great day. And hopefully we can connect again, maybe heading up to the Super Bowl. We'll talk some Super Bowl memories, okay? Oh, absolutely, man. times, let me know. Thank you. Appreciate it. Sylvester Williams, Quantum Laboratory here in St. Louis, native St. Louis, and doing great things for the community. We were talking about how there are athletes, current and former, here in St. Louis doing great things in the community that we don't talk about enough. Sylvester Williams is a great example with Quantum Laboratories. And this is a story that I've had on the list to talk about all week that we haven't gotten to, Randy. But how about Harrison Bader? There's a lot of teacher shortages around the country because everyone is dealing with COVID-19, as we just talked about with Sylvester Williams. But Harrison Bader stepping in to be a substitute PE teacher at Merrimack Elementary School in Clayton. This is something that's gotten a lot of pub across the country, national story even. But how about Harrison Bader stepping in and helping out the kids? Such a great guy. And that is the kind of thing that if you have that athlete platform, I think more guys should do. And I get the sense that Harrison Bader understands what his platform is all about and wants to take advantage of it and improve people's lives. Our platform's the same way. If we have the opportunity to improve people's lives with our platform, we should take advantage of it. And I really do appreciate that he does it. Well, whether it was Jack Flaherty, who was donating books to young kids here in St. Louis, or Paul DeYoung planting trees, Harrison Bader Mm -hmm. helping out with the kids, being a substitute PE teacher, there are great athletes in our community that are doing little things like that all the time and we need to talk about it because the more we talk about it and the more awareness we bring likely the more that the athletes will continue to do stuff like that right and hopefully we'll be able to have all those athletes for an entire season really disappointing news from the major league baseball players association meeting with ownership yesterday ownership obviously providing a less than stellar offer to the players less than satisfactory offer to the players, and the players don't seem to be that inclined to, to negotiate either. Seems like you've got two guys, two parties that are basically just talking past each other at this point. Which is so frustrating on so many levels, but I think it's frustrating as an observer, and I'm sure to a lot of fans, because this is expected. How annoying is it that it's expected that this group is going to disappoint you and that this group is not going to handle this product that so many people care about with uh, the necessary care that it deserves. I mean, this could have been done months ago. You knew that both sides were at really opposite ends of the canyon here, and you just let weeks go by without even communicating, and now spring training is in peril. When Tom Stillman's group bought the Blues at the press conference, he said, we are purchasing this as a community trust. It's our job to help out the community and 
this is one of the things that we do to help out the community. When you are the owner of a sports team or in charge of a sports league, you do have a trust, whether it's a local community trust or a national community trust. And it seems like baseball ownership, and I'm not absolving players of blame here, but it seems like baseball ownership has lost sight of that, that rather than providing entertainment and escape for America and providing America a pastime and making some money at the same time, their sole goal is to enhance profit as much as they possibly can. Well, remember when at the beginning of the pandemic, baseball had a very golden opportunity to be the sport that came Mm -hmm. back and galvanized America during a really dark time. Baseball had a time to be a positive and shining light. And what did they do? They fought about it and they made everyone super angry and annoyed and upset. And sometimes, Randy, people never learn from their mistakes. There's always going to be that person that they burn their hand on the stove and then three or four times later, like, eh. I'll just continue to do this and maybe Mm -hmm. I won't get burned. And they know that they're going to get burned. That's kind of us with baseball. We keep getting burned by these guys. They're the, we know who they are, yet we refuse to believe them. If they had learned anything from this pandemic and the opportunity that they wasted, they would have been acting with a sense of urgency Mm -hmm. when it came to these negotiations. And here they are in the same exact position. Uh, Andrew Marsh, our producer, engineer, and we we knew that we weren't going to have Andrew forever when we got him, but he's been so good that we're really disappointed. He was given an opportunity to choose between Carriker and Smallman getting in at 6 in the morning or the fast lane getting in at 1 in the afternoon. He chose the fast lane. (laughs) Damn those guys. He chose those guys rather than us. So this is... I curse their time slot. Yeah. Me too. This is the last show that Andrew Marsh will be the producer engineer for a character in Smallman. And we do appreciate Andrew's hard work, his dedication, his creativity. He's a terrific producer, and uh, we're bummed out that we're losing him. That's right. I was texting with Anthony Stalter yesterday. I was like, I am jealous because Andrew has been amazing for our show. He's come up with really creative segments. And most importantly, I think, Randy, he's brought a sense of levity and fun and lightness to the show. Nothing ever makes him panic or freak out like today when we had a double overtime situation in the fight. Andrew, cool as a cucumber. uh, When he slept through his alarm, that kind of freaked him out a little bit. (laughs) I remember that day. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I made sure that didn't happen ever again. You know what's funny, Randy? I I think he chose the fast lane the next day. (laughs) I think he chose the fast lane the day after he slept through his alarm. No, I, I think it was I think it was the day before because right. Mike Ryder was like, oh, that's weird, you know, you're choosing the fast lane and the next day you think you just can't you just don't have to show up. I was like I was like, oh, hold on now. <laughs> <laughs> well, you've done a great job for us. We appreciate your hard work and we appreciate you being a part of it and we're thrilled that you're still going to be a member of the team here at 101 ESPN and we just wanted to recognize your hard work. Thank well, you. I, I appreciate it. I've had a lot of fun with you too. It's It's been fun. It's it's made my mornings a million times better because before this show started, there's no way that I would have ever waken up at 5.30, 6 in the morning to do anything. It's just <laughs> not me. And here we are. Well, enjoy deleting those alarms. I'm sure that will be very oh, freeing. It's going to be so fun. Yeah. It's yeah. be great. So, and we have a little uh, button, button that he's never had to use. Get used to that that yellow dump button that you're going to have to hit a lot in the fast lane. Yeah, well, guys. I don't know. Whoever, who, the guy coming up next, he might have to get used to it since we're talking about Cialis yeah. and, and, true. and biblical, yep. you know, stuff and... 
Have fun. That is uh, Andrew, and uh, he'll, he'll be great in the fast lane. Michelle, this was fun. You're at Copper Fire tomorrow. That is. that. Wow. That is correct. From 4 to 6, Copper Fire in Belleville, watching the Blues. We're getting ready for the Blues and Maple Leafs tomorrow, so come hang out with us. And Timmy Mack and the Bloom Party coming up here in the 10 o'clock hour for all of us. Thanks for tuning in, texting in, and being a part of the show till Monday morning at 7. Have a great day, St. Louis. You've been listening to the Character and Smallman podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.